Countdown for blast off. X minus five, four, three, two, X minus one, fire. Another episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Edwards, and with me, of course, the producer who makes a script of questions for an interview to my ignoring that and doing everything live, Mr. Robert Lundgren. How you doing? Hello. Yet hello. another tongue twister, by the way. That was uh, the difficulty level 9.3 on that one. My, my wife liked how passive aggressive I was to you in the last one, so I, I, I tried that again. I gotta say, I've been enjoying that, too. Your passive aggression kind of fuels my <laughs> life, actually. <laughs> Uh, i feel a little dirty but you know you're the wind beneath my passive aggressive winds maybe you should feel a little guilty about your kinks i guess i don't know don't kink shame me (laughs) (laughs) speaking of kinks we have a guest host today what i don't know (laughs) it seemed like a natural way to to bring this whole thing together (laughs) bringing this rodeo right around (laughs) Jonathan, Jonathan. <laughs> Huge fan of London Calling. <laughs> he's, he's, he's a college professor. He deserves some class, goddammit. <laughs> hey, man, you know, like, we've all seen those episodes. <sighs> With us today is a very special guest host, our friend of the podcast, uh, Professor of Zombology. There you go. I was looking for that word. Uh, Brendan Riley, how you doing? Hey, fellas, thanks for having me back. <laughs> I'm doing you, great. You can't see it right now, Brendan, but much <laughs> like Indiana Jones, I've, I've written you a message on my eyelids. <laughs> Fantastic. That is something that happens all the time. It's uh, really frustrating because uh, often they're writing in a mirror, so it's hard to read. Oh, I knew I should have been and, a teacher. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, no. I would have definitely had some placards behind my desk. And after somebody tried that, I would have definitely given them like a number grade like the Olympics. <laughs> so I'm, I'm not gonna lie i'm a little gullible and when you said that there was a a little bit too long of a moment where i was thinking you're actually like revealing something about the teaching profession i didn't know and then i was like Wait, that's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> people write you secret notes on their yeah. Heads. uh no. yeah uh, no i yeah yeah i don't know I, all right well there you go there's our disappointment <laughs> disappointment for may 30th 2022 yes I thanks thanks <laughs> thanks for ruining it <laughs> you ruined you ruined Memorial Day. Well, I'm sorry. I am done for the semester, so maybe I'm feeling uh footloose and fancy free. There you go. There you go. Well, as always, we're gonna kick this episode off with a big old thank you to our patrons over at Patreon. You guys help us keep the lights on and help us uh keep uh keep this show a trucking. Can't believe it's episode 129. Like every time I look up at the episode count now, I'm just always in a mild shock. Robert, like it just unbelievable. Nice. But that pales in comparison to the episode count of our guest host. What are you up to now? Uh, let's see. I think 440. <laughs> I think it just posted 440. Well, you know, uh, for those of you who don't know, I do the I do a podcast called Pick Up and Deliver, where I uh, strap on a lav mic while I'm taking a walk and I record myself talking for a few minutes. Uh, yeah, so it's usually about 15 minutes. I don't really edit it very much, uh, and uh, I post it two or three times a week. The goal is to do about 100 a year between the end of January and the and mid-December. 
Uh, and I've, uh, yeah, so I've been doing it about four hey, and a half hey, years Hey, Jonathan, now. you want to hear something fun? Yeah. We inspired him to, uh, to launch a new type of episode. Because the, the whole thing about uh, <laughs> Streets of Fire, he, he started doing a monthly episode of uh, what, what has Brendan watched uh, over the past month. Oh, mm-hmm. that's yeah. glorious. Yeah, it's been great. Look at that. Streets of Fire continuing to bring happiness to the universe. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. You know, if I ever had a podcast that of, of me recording anything while I was walking, it would just be called, what the f*** is that guy doing? <laughs> <laughs> because I have traffic circles in my neighborhood, which are apparently a natural determinant of somebody's intelligence. I think we should use it to weed out <laughs> the weak minded and yeah, traffic circles mm-hmm. like who knew? I took my daughter to a swim meet last weekend in Indiana. And as part of it, we went through the Google, like takes us off the freeway a, a couple miles early and we go through some back roads and there's this neighborhood. We have gone through it before and it is the most infuriating thing because the city planner talked them into putting in a traffic circle, but no one taught them how to use it. So they put stop signs on all the oh, entrances to the No, they didn't. <laughs> they did. Oh, that's so it's a four-way stop with a circle in the middle. <laughs> oh. It's hilarious. Except infuriating because you get there and like, why do I have to stop? I, I pass no <laughs> that's the whole point. I, I pass no less than four of these things. One of which is no, I should say two of which are on you know a, a major artery that goes north-south. And it is absolutely spellbinding to watch people just not understand it. Like, I don't get it. I just don't understand how they, they didn't learn what a traffic circle is and how it's like a super efficient way of doing things. You go to under other countries and they've got like four lane wide traffic circles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, look, kids, Big Ben. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I almost watched that movie the other day. <laughs> don't show that one to your kids. I don't. No, 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 probably not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> what, what it is, a, it is actually, this is a fascinating day, Robert. What is our day today? Yeah. Yeah. Happy national VCR day on Ooh. June 7th, Woo! on June Woo-hoo. 7th, national VCR day. Takes also known day. as happy national. Your kids have no idea what the hell we're talking about day. Yes. True that. <laughs> National VCR Day takes a look at the device that revolutionized the home movie watching experience. The observance recognizes the video cassette recorder, or VCR, a device that in its time was a marvel of technology. And it's funny, they say, we don't know who made up this day, but then there's like several like, hey, there's a company like, I don't know, this company right here, and they could take your old tapes and turn them into DVDs and stuff. Mm. But I don't know who made up this day. And I'm like, yeah, I know it, it was that company. And I shall not name it. <laughs> You can go look That's it up yourself. Going. Yeah. Now, the real question is, is today celebrated in Betamax or VHS? <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's an interesting question. Or for those of us who were lucky enough to have both in the house, and then we had like three movies for the Betamax machine that my father insisted on buying because it was better technology, and then that was it. Those were the only three movies we had because Beta disappeared, mm-hmm. and that was the end of that story. Also, coincidentally, the end of Betamax, unless you were in the news industry, in which case it was actually still in use up until just recently. Yeah, like you said, better quality. I was saying the talk about VCR reminded me of the people who bought Divix. Do you remember that format? (laughs) Yes. It was like you could rent. It was like you could buy a movie to rent. It was really cheap. But once you watched it, you only had like three days and then the disc expired and you couldn't watch it anymore or something. 
Yeah, and then there was of course the the UMDs, if you remember, that came out with the PlayStation Portable, the first PlayStation Portable. Mm-hmm. And Sony was like convinced that everybody wanted to carry around these little mini disc looking things. Yeah. And then like 20 minutes later, you could buy every single movie for 80 cents because nobody wanted them. (laughs) Oh, poor Sony, man. They're so bad at things. And then like for every Blu-ray, they they have like 17 Betamax slash UMDs. Who's going to help the Sony? Oh, I think they're doing just fine. I'm sure that they can just lick their wounds with millions of dollars. (laughs) <laughs> by the way i don't think i said it you said hashtag not <coughs> hashtag national vcr day there you go my job is done well done that's sir. my yeah that's my work that's my work it's it's my job i'm gonna do it yes i repeat the i repeat the computer it's my job i don't know i don't remember the line from galaxy quest <laughs> <laughs> i need to watch that i have not watched that movie in a long time which one i love me some galaxy quest oh galaxy quest yes oh yeah yeah i got it i repeat the computer <laughs> <laughs> Fun Jonathan fact, everybody. Um, I have trouble remembering all of my children's individual birthdays because they all kind of squish together, especially in November. But I can still randomly pull like Happy Gilmore and Galaxy Quest out of the, the you know, nethers of my mind. I don't know what that says about me as a human other than I'm fundamentally broken. Or that you have a calendar because if your if your brain offloads information, it just doesn't remember it anymore. Like that's that's proven. They think that's one of the reasons why like society happened because we offloaded our ability to smell on the dogs that we uh, that we, you know, made our pets and thus we didn't need to do that anymore. Huh. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really weird that you say that. I was actually just telling my kids that when I, I was young, I probably had 150 different phone numbers stored in my head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I still to this day can probably I mean, like I can tell you my buddy, my buddy Jared's phone number. Two two four nine one one one. My phone number six one nine two two three three eight six three. Like I can rattle all this crap off, right? Yeah. It's been literally thirty years, if not more. And for the life of me, I don't know my wife's phone number. Ditto. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just a tap on the screen. Yeah, same thing. The future is now, man. There's a <sighs> there's a novel by Charlie Strauss called Accelerando. And it takes the first chapter takes place in like 2045, I think. And one of the main characters has sort of like futuristic Google glasses type thing. But, you know, it's a cell phone, whatever. And somebody mugs him and steals it. And then he can't remember where he's going or what he's supposed to be doing. Like he's completely it's like someone has stolen a third of his brain. (laughs) (laughs) Makes sense. I got that way after COVID. All right. We're 13 minutes in, Jonathan. Should we like actually start doing the podcast? (laughs) You're such a taskmaster. This radio is all gold. No fun. <laughs> yeah, but I got it. All right. Well, later. it's time for our first segment. Robert's no fun. Guilty as charged. <laughs> it is, of course, time for our first segment. That is our off-the-shelf segment where we talk about all the things that we've had off of the shelf, onto our tables, and into our collective hearts, or in the case of many things, onto our digital media players of whatever form that you prefer. And so, um, I don't know, a special guest, you know what you're going to, you're Brendan, you're going to choose for us. What, what do you, where do you want to start? Well, I'm a literature professor. Let's start with reading. There you go. You've, you've got quite a list. Well, none of these are finished. These are all, well, actually one of them is finished. The other two are in progress. If you know, Neil Stevenson, the famous sci-fi writer, famous for uh, snow crash is probably his most well-known book. Snow crash is great. Yeah. Uh, he wrote a series um, in the mid 2000s uh, called the Baroque cycle It's Quicksilver. And then um, two other ones that I can't remember what they're called right now. 
and I decided I would reread them, but they're massive. They're like tiny print, 1600 page novels. And so, and like hardcover, huge. So I'm reading it. I've been reading Quicksilver for about three and a half months now. And I read about five pages a night and I'm just like slowly plugging my way through and I'm just going to read the whole cycle over the course of like probably two years, but uh, I'm enjoying that. It's sort of um, late medieval time, early enlightenment era, grand sweeping history of the world told through sort of semi-fictional characters in the style that he has adopted lately. So that's, that's been really fun. Then I've been uh, working on a short story collection or reading a short story collection called State of the Art by Ian M. Banks. Have you read any, have either of you read any of the culture novels from Ian Banks? The first one's called Consider Phlebas. No, not yet. Uh, they're really good. It's sort of like um, if European socialists became super AIs that had more more um, military might and intelligence than anyone else in the galaxy, and then they went around telling other civilizations that they're not good enough. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's it's they're actually really great space operas uh, with excellent politics sort of blended in. Uh, the second novel in the series is called the, the player of games. And it's about like the best player of games, like board games in the galaxy. And he's sent to this planet where they, they have this game that they play every year that determines like who's the King and who's in charge of the military. And like your social standing is determined how well, how well you do in this game tournament. But so this is the fourth, it's a short story collection in that series, state of the art. And then uh, I don't remember if in previous visits to the show, I've mentioned that I'm a bit of a Titanic enthusiast, but I am. And so usually every April I read a book about the Titanic. And this year it was Farewell Titanic by Charles Pellegrino. He was one of the uh, sub pilots for James Cameron and uh, really interesting stuff. Told some new stories that I hadn't uh, seen uh, talked about in in, uh, ways that I hadn't read before and uh, yeah, I just I, I was like hearing more about that famous shipwreck. So good stuff. Should we put a spoiler alert on what happens with the Titanic? <laughs> yeah, I, I think that it pro- we've probably passed the statute of limitations. Have we, have we expired? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, Jonathan, uh, it's a year. It's a year. You're fine. It's fine. <laughs> I mean, you could as a courtesy. It's a courtesy at this point, but, you know, you don't have to. The one thing in this book that I hadn't encountered before that I thought was super fascinating um so if you read a lot of books about Titanic, one of the things that comes up often is discussions of why the ship sank as quickly as it did, because it was engineered to not sink quickly. And one of the things that uh, Pellegrino talks about is that um, it was widely reported among the steerage passengers that the bunks, the rooms, the staterooms in the front half of the ship were all extremely warm, uh, maybe in part because of a, a fire that was going in one of the coal bunkers. Um, like literally the coal supply was on fire. Um, but so Pellegrino talks about when they dove, they noticed that a lot of the porthole windows were open and the way the ship is built, they couldn't just like pop open. They would break or if they're open, it's because they were open when the ship sank. And so one of the things he talks about is like, he just does some math and he's like the amount of water that was coming in through open portholes as the ship started to sink. No one's accounted for it in talking about how the, why the ship sank as quickly as it did. And I just thought that was an interesting observation. I don't, I haven't seen other people talk about it, so it might just be submarine captain uh, getting um, theoretical, but it was pretty interesting. Well, I mean, the thing did go down a lot faster than anybody anticipated, so that would make sense. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Anyway, yeah, that was, that's been my reading. 
fun stuff. Here, I'll go next because I've I, I have not had time to read anything because TV's been real good. And so usually I like I read when I'm on the elliptical or whatever, but for whatever reason I just I haven't had that. Also, I've been really tired at night. Imagine that. So like I've been working out too late and I just I, I How dare you, Robert? I know. How dare you need sleep like a normal human being? I know. I don't know what it is. I used to not, but lately it's been getting to me. So anyway Disappointed. Uh my PDF for Passion de las Passiones finally came in. Uh so I started flipping through that a little bit. I cannot bit. wait for our run of that. <laughs> <laughs> We're recording the hell out of that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, 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 I barely scratched it. I, I was up here one night just reading it as I was drifting off to sleep and I kind of nodded off and smacked my face self in the face with my iPad. So that was fun. Um, <laughs> that really hurts by the way. That really hurts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the other thing I actually read was, uh, Simon Stalinhag, uh, who you might know from, uh, or Stalhag, whatever, who you might know from the electric state and tales from the loop. He released a new book called the labyrinth and my library had it. So I grabbed it. And uh, it's not his strongest work. I'll say that. Oh no! Yeah, yeah. The Electric State is 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 kind of a high bar to clear. But um, the Electric State was good because like it's it's low key apocalypse. You could kind of like put it together. But like whatever was going on in the labyrinth, it wasn't abundantly clear. It was a little bit more mysterious. And if you told me like he's gonna have a trilogy or something about that world, I'd buy it because it 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 didn't spoon feed a lot of what was going on very well as well as some of his other books but not that it's bad it's got his cool art and whatnot I, it's just i i think it's his not his strongest work but whatever i mean it's still like you know considering like tales from the loop and and uh, electric state were like tens or elevens and this one's like merely a seven uh you know it's like <laughs> <laughs> it's still pretty good it's still pretty above the curve i really just like the term loki apocalypse yeah. Oh, I can't wait for the Electric State, the movie. Uh, Millie Bobby Brown is set to star in it, and the uh, Russo brothers are directing it right now. So hopefully that all works. Oh out. well, you had me there. Like Russo yeah. brothers are amazing. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's yeah, it's a story about a very low key apocalypse. It's really good. I, I'd highly recommend that one. That one's like just it's really creepy. Like just watching because it's about this lady. Uh, it'd be Millie Bobby Brown's character who's like taking a road trip through uh, Calif- uh, Nevada and California, basically. Uh, with a robot because it's a thing, and uh, and yeah, there is literally a slow burn apocalypse going on, and and, and like virtual reality zombie apocalypse. It's it's bizarre, and it but it's happening all around her, and uh, yeah, it's really creepy. It'll be a really interesting movie. Did you see the trailer for the new Russo Brothers movie? No, the Gray Man. Oh my God, it looks intense. It's uh, basically Captain America versus the world's most handsome man. Um, uh, what's his name? Oh, for God's sake! Why can't I think of his name? I can th- I can see his face. <laughs> Is his name Roy? Uh, young guy, Roy, Gr- Gosling, Gosling, Ryan ah, Gosling. Okay, not Roy. Okay, got it. No, no, no. Yeah, it's uh, Captain America versus Ryan Gosling, um, and it looks amazing. And yeah, I'm really excited. Cool. So, what have you been reading, Jonathan? Uh, just one thing. I have finished Phenomena. Oh, Phenomena. I'm still on page 249 right before the pictures. I have not touched it in two weeks. Ooh, I've passed you. How dare you? I'm just bursting to talk to you about things. <laughs> I passed I, you like in, I the, said. in the 270s. Oh, yeah. I, I just had to Okay, I will wait. I will wait patiently for you, for you all to finish. But I have, I have completed it. I put down my other book. So I will now be returning back to uh, the one that Ray suggested, the... Uh, Oh, for God's sakes, I, Joe, I think Joe something or other is the guy's name, the author. God, I can't think today. 
the the where's my copy of the damn thing? Uh, the blade itself, the blade itself, Abercrombie, Joe Abercrombie. There you go. I was just about to say that out loud. So, yep, I will be I will be returning to finish that, and I'm gonna I'm I I have now officially finished Phenomena, which I can't talk about because you guys haven't finished it yet. Do they get into MK Ultra? Please tell me they do. No, no, they really don't. Huh? Weird. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I thought so too. I thought that was the whole thing. Maybe maybe she decided that has been written about enough. That's true. That's very true. Or maybe it's one of her other books. I don't know. Oh, hmm. Could be. Uh, let's uh, jump to movies and TV. Groovy. I got a lot here. I've been watching good stuff. <laughs> well, jump into it. Go for okay, it. Okay, but you can't spoil some of this stuff because I'm way behind. Okay. Well, tell you what. Then I'll, I'll shotgun through my stuff and not spoil anything. Still watching Fringe. Uh, I'm in season five. Season five is goofy. Like, really weird. You know, they're like, hey, for yeah, that show took a hard left at some point. Like, yeah. Yeah. They're like, for our last season, why don't we just drop this whole procedural, you know, crime stuff at all and just do some. Let's forget of- about those first four seasons. They're not important. Right. <laughs> let's just do this weird post apocalypse thing. And it's like, all right, that's that's a bold choice. I don't know if I'm into it, but it's only 13 episodes. So I'll hang around for the end because why not? I'm, I'm in too deep at this point. Uh, I watched the new Chippendales Rescue Rangers. Oh my god, you need to watch it. I was I was shocked. It's, it's on my list of things to watch. Holy crap, I was not expecting what that movie was, and it was glorious. It was glorious. You you need to text me this week and remind me, because I, I didn't have a ton of time this week, uh, and I really I really you have me hooked. I am fascinated. Yeah, our our family's halfway through and uh so far I, I totally can see where you're coming from. Excellent. Yeah, I, if you told me, for anybody who's like, why would I watch that movie? It's not Chippendale's Rescue Rangers. It's kind of a spiritual sequel to Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Like, if you told me Who Framed Roger Rabbit happened in that universe, I would be like, yes, that makes complete sense. It's it's fascinating. It was really good. It, I mean, it really feels like I'm going to need to go back and watch again just to check out all the stuff in the background. Because oh there my are gosh. so many. Like, you guys now have me absolutely yeah, fascinated. There are so many, like throwaway jokes or you know background jokes and cameos because yeah much like who framed roger rabbit they they called up a lot of other animation studios and got their blessing to put you know not just disney characters in it which was wonderful it's so good (laughs) which really makes you wonder why they didn't go to theaters with this thing i i don't know maybe covid i i have no idea you know like maybe because comedies don't do as well theatrically so maybe they just didn't want to risk it i don't know who knows anyway uh star trek strange new worlds uh i guess i'm and ep- I don't know how many episodes I'm in at this point. Uh, but this last episode was really good. Uh, it was about uh, it was about the engineer and whatnot. Like, yeah, uh, the 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 worst show has so far has been like a seven. The best one was the premiere, which was eleven, and everything else has been like an easy nine. Like, it's been great. It's a good show. You should definitely watch it if you like the Star Treks. And uh, then I watched uh, Spider-Man No Way Home because we were talking about that last time. And uh, oh, so much good stuff continues to be awesome and then i am six episodes in of the seven that have been released so far of stranger things volume four and that's it okay don't you tell me a thing about that (laughs) i i would i would murder how about (laughs) can i say this our reading that we've been doing has been interesting homework for stranger things in general Mm -hmm. yeah yeah okay i'll give you that yeah i'll love it so yeah, oh, when you watch it, you'll you'll see a little bit more of that. Kind of like how watching Ghostbusters was kind of interesting after reading that book, and you're like, oh my god, they're talking about stuff I just read about, <laughs> like real. Air <laughs> quotes, real stuff. Yeah, yeah. All right, Jonathan, what have you watched? Uh, what have I watched? So uh, the kids and I, um, we 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 
took our projector and a laptop camping and we streamed Happy Gilmore as a way to keep them um, out of trouble until bedtime. And uh, they loved it. And, and that movie actually held up surprisingly well. Uh, there was only really one questionable, you know, like 90s humor doesn't work anymore scene. Uh, but beyond that, actually, it, it still works pretty damn well. And it was nice to remember why it was that Adam Sandler was funny at one time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Harsh. I stress the at one time. I just, I'll leave it there. I'll leave it there. Um, uh, then we also last night uh, watched Mask of Zorro. Is that the um, first one or the was, second one with the Untold? That's the first one. That's the first one. Or as I like to call it, white people trying to be Latin. And it was really awkward. And watching it in 2022 is I like the movie itself is just fine. It's just there's a lot of awkward casting choices and there's huh. some really like, whoa, why are we like over sexualizing this person at this point? You know, it was really awkward at that point. Wow. I remember really liking that movie yeah. when I first saw it. It's got a really good swashbuckling thing going on, but like Anthony Hopkins and Mm. Catherine Zeta-Jones are like as British as they get, and they're really not Spaniard, (laughs) especially Anthony Hopkins, who doesn't even try an accent. He's just being British. (laughs) He's just being Anthony Hopkins with Mm. a mustache. Yeah, and I mean, like his performance isn't the problem. It's just like. It's really tough to 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 see Caucasian folks cast as a variety of different Latin cultures that are very different from <laughs> from that. It was just awkward. Also, some absolutely terrible Spanish in that movie, like cringe worthy Spanish, like just poorly rendered language. No, no, no. The words were correct. Uh, it's the pronunciation was was just wrong. Huh. It's like, oh yeah, you've never spoken Spanish before in your life. That hurt. Mm-hmm. So awkward. It was an awkward movie to watch in 2022. Um, just that's it. It's been like a year since I've seen you all. So buckle it. No, um, I'll just <laughs> talk some recent stuff. My family has really been enjoying this British show called Taskmaster. Are either of you familiar with Taskmaster? No, no, I haven't seen it yet. So it's uh, it's been on for six seasons or so. A buddy of mine uh, had bootlegs of the whole thing. So he uh, gave me a link to his Google Drive. And, um, oh, my cat's joining me. Sorry about the meows. It's what it is it's this comedian and his assistant. And the assistant is actually the guy who created the show and makes all the puzzles. And they have four comedians who are signed up to do these tasks. And each episode, they give them really weird tasks to do. And they're competing for points. And at the end of the episode, they'll get prizes. And the prizes are things that they brought in. So there's one episode where they're like, uh, he had them bring in something that was meaningful to them. So like one guy brought his wedding ring and uh, one person, uh, another person brought like a T-shirt he had made. <laughs> and both of these things became prizes. So like the, if the guy who brought his wedding ring, ring didn't win that week, he lost his wedding ring. Um, oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, so, but it's very funny. And then the tasks they give them, it's really hard to articulate. Like so, for example, one of the tasks that they give in the first in one of the first couple of episodes is they bring them to a mall and they have to give a high five to a 55 year old. That's their task. And then they and then they time them to see how long it takes them to do that. So then each one kind of tries to figure out how to do that in a different way. And so, you know, they're running around asking people for high fives and, and they're British, too. So they're super embarrassed at talking to people. So it's a very funny show <laughs> if you get a chance to watch it. 
Like Robert, I've been watching Stranger Things, although I've only seen four episodes of the new series, so I'm a little behind. Silence! Mm -hmm. I've been watching some comedy... The Kids in the Hall released a new series on Prime, Amazon. Prime. Oh, that's oh, I out? I need to watch that. Oh, okay. Yeah. I need to watch that. Yeah, it's good. It's an interesting mix of sort of returning to the old favorites and finding some new stuff. Uh, they're a little uneven. There was one episode that had a lot of uh, Bruno Ponce Jones and Francesco Fiore in it, and I've never liked those characters, so that was not my favorite episode. But uh, but all in all, it's been very funny. And then, are either of you Letterkenny fans? Yeah, my, my, my wife got me into watching it. I, okay. I thoroughly enjoy that movie. Or that show, excuse me. Uh, so they what just released a spinoff in which the uh, foul-mouthed uh, brutal hockey player Shorzy moves to another town and, and uh, joins a team there. And so there's a show called Shorzy that just came out. Um, and it's very much in the spirit of Letterkenny, particularly the hockey-focused hockey, hockey focus episodes. Just imagine that if the whole show was about a hockey team. Uh, and they have all new characters, but uh, really fun. My favorite is that one of the characters is uh, from Newfoundland. And so he's constantly talking like Newfoundlanders talk, which I, is my favorite thing in the world, the way that Newfies talk. So <laughs> I, I'm enjoying Shorzy and would recommend. I've been watching the TV show Sex Education on Netflix, which is... Oh, I hear really good things about oh, that. Oh, it's incredibly funny. Uh, I would not watch it with anyone who's not in your generation, though. So like... Oh, wow. Okay. My daughter has watched just because it's so uncomfortable. Like it, it'd be good for teen late teen people in their late teens or early 20s to watch it because there's a lot of really useful, thoughtful ideas about relationships and sex. But it's very graphic and not something I'd want to be in the same room with my daughter while she's watching. It, yeah. OK, sense. I can totally see that. Um, my buddy, my buddy termed it this way. He said he knows his mom has seen it. And it makes him uncomfortable to know that she's seen it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's really good. Uh, I watched the movie Operation Pla- Paperclip, which is about my favorite military thing that's ever happened. I don't know if you, you know that the, the author of the Phenomena book has an Operation Paperclip book, right? I saw that. I read the Bed McIntyre book. Like, I haven't I haven't I, read her book on it. I will. I will gladly go down that rabbit hole with you, bud. Nice. You just say the word. Uh, Operation Paperclip is absolutely fascinating. Yeah, well, that could be our next one. But I watched the Colin, uh, the Colin Firth movie, uh, based on it, and it was it was fine. Not not. I'm not going to buy the DVD or anything, but it was fine. And then finally, um, I know you've you've all mentioned my proclivity for picking a kind of horror movie and then watching all of them. You know, like uh, I, I watched all the Hellraiser movies, and then and God, I God the, bless you. <laughs> Wait, by the way, did did you watch all the awful, awful ones that didn't even star the original guy who played Pinhead? But oh, like yeah. that other oh, guy. Yeah. I watched. Oh, you, oh, you went that far. Oh, yeah, I, I you know, I've never I've never brought myself to actually watch. I think it's either the last one or the second to last one, because I yeah. think he did two, right? I th- two or uh, three. Whatever. Yeah, oh. they're bad. Yeah, don't. <laughs> um, <laughs> but so my latest kick is. Uh, movies where people all get trapped in the same place together and then have to figure out a way to get out or they die. So, (laughs) you know, sort of like Saw. It's an oddly specific subgenre. You'd be surprised how many movies there are. In fact, there are three different movies just called Escape Room. Different movies made by different people that have that title. I mean, I want to be surprised, but I'm not surprised. So, So I watched Format's Room recently, and then I watched the 2017 Escape Room, which was surprisingly good. And I've got a couple more from the library. I have the 2019 Escape Room and then Escape Room Tournament of Champions waiting to be watched this week from the library. So, yeah. And then sometime this summer, I'm going to watch all the Saw movies again. 
Speaking of uh, Brendan recommendations, I did find the uh, the Divine Move. I, I have not watched it yet, but <laughs> yes, that is that is on I, the agenda for next week. I can't wait to hear what you think. <laughs> oh. Oh, re- real quick, I forgot to mention too. Um, I watched the first episode of Obi Wan, and we will wait to talk about that because it doesn't sound like either of you have watched it. Mm-mm. Yeah, I have rewatched the entirety of the 2010 Formula One season because. I have a Formula One subscription, and it's lovely to keep me company while I'm working. Like, nice. It's nice to have it on the background because I watched it the first time, and now I'm getting to relive, relive the glory days. That's awesome. Of 2010. Uh, if I can say, as a fan of the Forgot My Desk podcast, your uh, commentary about the F1 series in the last episode was quite lovely, Jonathan. You did a great job. <laughs> or, uh, you did a great job of just uh, kind of uh, explaining why F1 is fun to watch. It was nice. Oh, it's so fun. So fun to watch. I just watched the Monaco Grand Prix yesterday. It was amazing. Uh, and then the last thing I'll mention. Uh, <laughs> so my library tricks me sometimes. Robert, does your library have a lucky day shelf? No. So a lucky day shelf at our library is books and movies you can't request. Like they're new. And so they just have them on a shelf. And you can't. you can only check them out for seven days. You can't renew them. And you can't request them. So the only way you can get them is if they if you happen to get a lucky day. Okay. Yes, they do have that. They call it something else. But yes, we do have that. Okay. So there was a movie there. It was a new sci-fi movie. And I like a cheesy sci-fi movie. It was called Project Gemini. And I didn't know anything about it except it looked like it's a bunch of people who go to another planet to try to save the Earth. Think about like Interstellar. And, uh, you know, when they get there, there's something bad there. Right. Okay. Well, I'm really liking this 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 cover. I just Googled it. Yeah, that's what happened to me. And I got it. And wow, I know this is a positive podcast, but I have not watched. Is this spectacularly bad? Because oh, this looks spectacularly it's bad. so bad. And one of the things that makes it particularly bad is that I'm pretty sure a significant portion of the cast don't speak English and they were speaking their lines phonetically. What 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 gives you that idea? By the way, this is starring Igor Koreshkov. Right. I mean, they're all Alyana Konstantinova, <laughs> well, it, it, Samukov Kostya, <laughs> Dmitry Fried, and let's not forget about Martinez Lisa. That's right. Well, you know, I mean, <laughs> certainly I wouldn't be surprised if English weren't their first language, but I'm surprised they filmed the movie in English. They must have thought like Americans will will be more likely to watch it if it's in English. But because of that, some of the dialogue is incredibly stilted. Like and and I mean, some of it is just plain wrong. Like there's one part where this guy says the first guy says, we can't go out there. It's too dangerous. The second guy says, well, this is my fault. I have to go out there. I'm going out. And then the first guy who just said it's too dangerous says, I've got your six. And then he doesn't go with him. <laughs> I got your six by closing the damn door behind you. Exactly. Uh, so <laughs> it was super confusing. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Brendan, okay. Brendan, I want you yeah. to put a pin in it. I have already put it on okay. hold at my library. I, it's, it's, I, yeah. I really I'm, need to know, guys. It's terrible. It's really not a good movie. Uh, that's fine. Maybe maybe you'll have fun with it. Okay. So that that's it for hold movies. On, I'm, looking, I'm seeing who's streaming it. I need to know this. So they have seven yeah. copies in my library system, and uh, yeah, I, I'm at the front of the line. There's 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 enough to go around apparently. <laughs> there's nobody else waiting. What? No. What? What a travesty! <laughs> this is all right. All right, hold on. Let's see here. Uh, watch now on Prime. Oh my god! Oh my god! My so my local branch has a very high opinion of, of this movie. 
So the, the Hillsborough Brookswood Public Library has it in their, quote, bestsellers, not holdable. And I'm like, hmm. <laughs> but luckily, some, uh, somebody must have, a bit. <laughs> somebody must have done a number on the National Library Association and gotten people to buy these this movie. <laughs> so, well, oh, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be keen to hear what you think. I could sit here and watch The Expanse again, or I could rent Project Gemini. <laughs> um, guess which one I'm doing. <laughs> I won't be held responsible. <laughs> okay, Robert, let me know when you're watching it. I'll rent it that day. I'm I'm down. This is happening. I am I this is this is the kind of <laughs> show I need in my life. You're gonna spend three ninety nine to rent it? <laughs> Gladly. Gladly. I consider this an investment in the podcast, frankly. You know what? If you need an excuse to go get a Diet Coke, um Redbox might actually have it, according to this. I will have to check. I will have to check. <laughs> All right. Is that our movie? That's it. That's it. (laughs) All right. Where to next? (laughs) Uh, RPGs. What have you guys been playing on RPGs? Yeah, Jonathan. What have we been doing? What have we been doing? Nothing because I suck. So my, I didn't know that my wife schedules this camping trip for four days. So I Uh, missed RPG night because we were in the middle of the wilderness. I suck. Aw. (laughs) I thought it was, I thought she'd uh, done it for like, three days i didn't realize that she did it for the fourth it was a surprise to me too jonathan so you've got this uh you got this thing on your phone called a calendar you can just put stuff in there and then you don't have to remember it it's pretty <laughs> cool know, remember how call, we're talking about i don't want you talking load? to jessica anymore because it's obvious you two are colluding mm. Mm. calendars <laughs> are not my strong suit but it's on your phone you just look at you you just click on it at the beginning of the day yeah but here's the thing it's a whole different app and I use Outlook for work, and that's the only one that I follow. It's on your phone. It's on. It's so far away. Where's your phone? Where's your phone? Where's your phone? Like literally in my hand right now, and I don't know where the calendar app is. You have? Oh, there it is. Yeah, it's it's big. It has numbers on it, and it's on the front thing. No, but I hit it. it. I hit it because I wasn't using it. Then put it back out. God. <sighs> that's. It's like talking I'm to not a child. To give it that this time. <laughs> no, I don't want. Do you get to play it. anything, Robert? No, because Jonathan wasn't there. Oh, I see. So I mean, I'm taking full responsibility. Uh, I made the mistake of the thing I wrote kind of needed him to be there, so I can't run it without I, him. I but you I know, whatever. own the suckage of this one. Whatever. Fair do you want to play? Do you want to play Sunday, Jonathan? You want to do a makeup day? Yeah, I'm down. Okay. Look, hold on. Let me look at the calendar since I'm actually in here looking at the same thing. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. What day is Sunday? The first day of the week. Um. Oh, Sophia's going to Bennett's birthday party at 2 p.m. Oh, cool. Well, that's nice. There's nothing in the evening. Yeah, yeah. I'll make sure with Jessica that, you know, she didn't put something not in the calendar. <laughs> so one of my boys uh, has put a whole bunch of random crap into the uh, into the calendar app because we forgot to <laughs> take them out of it. We had to start nice. a new calendar. But according to this, uh, yeah. Uh, I space CWE is happening that day uh, at 9 a.m. Oh, there's going to be an alert. Yeah, no, going to delete that. Thank you, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. Well, uh, I have I, I have played a little bit. I don't remember if last time I was on, I was playing this game. I think I was, um, but I'm still in my every other week game of Amber, which is uh, based on the Rogers Zelazny novels. Oh yeah, you um, talk. I remember that. Yeah. I have a character who is a sort of. Uh, Light runs a library planet and he uh is a sorcerer and 
uh, inadvertently allowed a doppelganger to destroy the original that she was pretending to be. Um, and then is trying to decide whether to be friends with the doppelganger or not. Cause she was a copy of the person from another dimension. So, you know, if you think about two Dr. Strange's meet and one of them absorbs the other, which one is, which one is left? And are you, I, I'm, with I'm watching not? fringe, man. I'm, I'm, I'm picking it up. Fr- that's what fringe all right. is all about. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, one of the things that's really fun about Amber is that the, um, the way the stats work, every player has a set of stats, but you don't keep them. The GM keeps them. And when you come into contact conflict with somebody, you narrate what's happening and the GM tells you whether you're winning or not based on your stats. There's no dice rolling. So like if I got in combat with you, we would start fighting. And over the course of the fighting, I would be like sort of slowly winning or slowly losing against you, assuming you and I are closely matched. And based on slowly winning or slowly losing, that's how you know, like, oh, I'm like, oh, he's stronger than I am. I need to get out of here or whatever. And one of the things that you can do is you can basically take negative points to get better in some things. And the negative points result in you getting kind of uh, penalties, but you don't know that they're there. And so one of the penalties my character has is that he sees the world too optimistically. And so sometimes the way the GM will describe things to me is literally my character not understanding the negative consequences of what's happening around him. Uh, (laughs) It's a lot of fun because like my character basically ends up trusting people he really shouldn't trust or telling too much to people he shouldn't to. And, And the whole time Brendan knows he shouldn't say anything, but it's. It's more fun if my character is like, well, you know, oh, isn't it the worst friend. when you're when you have to play your character properly? <laughs> it's great, even though like you being outside of your character, you're like, well, this is a crap idea. Yeah, <laughs> it's great though. So anyway, that's that continues. Uh, what about video games? I have none. I haven't played any video games except for like a casual game on my phone where I make trees match other trees. It's stupid, but it's something to do while I watch TV. But other than that, as somebody who plays many stupid games on their phone, I concur and agree. (laughs) But what else have you guys been playing? Uh, What have I been playing? Um, So Lincoln and I are playing a lot of fighting games lately. So we've been playing a lot of King of Fighters 15 and Samurai Showdown because they are fun and they totally make me giggle. And he's actually getting really good at them, which scares the living daylights out of me. I might be losing my crown as fighting game champion of the house. And I'm not okay with that. (laughs) Got sucked into the Castlevania collection again because classic Castlevania games are, the, are just the best thing ever. Um, and then that took me down the rabbit hole of old games that I wanted to play. And so I started playing the Sega Genesis collection again on my computer. And Sega Genesis was good days. Those were good, good days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was I was, uh, I was, was thinking about dusting that off because all, like, all of the Fantasy Star games are in that collection. I'm like, you know, I haven't played those. And I've been kind of into kind of turn-based old school RPGs. And I'm like, that, that would fit the bill. Hmm. Nice. And there's guns. Also, I, I realized I need to get the Castlevania collection, Jonathan. You know why? You know why? Because the one on Sega Genesis has Quincy uh, Quincy Morris's kid. That's, that's yeah, the Yeah, Castlevania Bloodlines. I know. And when I found that out, you know, it's Dracula. Now I have to do it. <laughs> uh. I'm officially super, 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 super ready for more Castlevania in my life. So, hey, universe, I'm waiting. That is all. <laughs> I picked up this game. If you like stuff like that, I haven't talked about it much because I, I only play it off and on because it's it's one of those Nintendo hard games. But um, it's it's kind of a Metroidvania called Blasphemous, and it's made by a Spanish company or yeah, and it's set in medieval Spain, and it is so like 
metal Catholic, it's it's amazing. Like the very first thing you do is you wake up in a see here. You wake up in a pile of bodies and you have this like crazy like mask on with a big giant like pointy hat thing, which looks a little awkward, but it's it's a Spanish thing apparently. And you murder this big golemy looking guy, and then the first thing the guy does is he pulls his mask off, fills up the mask with the the giant's blood as it's dying, and then puts the mask back on. I'm like, oh my god. (laughs) And stuff like that happens. So much DLC for this thing, too. I, I know. One of the early things you can do is you can, uh, the way you make your sword better is you find these statues. And so I found one of these statues and it's the statue of angels and your sword has thorns on it because of course it does. Cause you know, it hurts because every, every, everybody hurts sometimes, I guess. But the, uh, the <laughs> when it describes the, the, the angels taking the sword, it literally describes them as wiping their angelic tears off on the thorns of your sword. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> it's just so, <laughs> it's so metal. It's awesome. Uh, yeah. Oh, they, so. They're a very tiny team. If you like, it, it is Nintendo hard. I'm I've been like stuck on a boss for weeks, and I got distracted by my games, so I haven't been playing it. But. Oh my god! And they're in the like one of my top four cities to move to and leave it all behind. Sevilla. I fell in love with Sevilla. Uh, I oh, it's such a gorgeous city. Anyway, sorry about that. All right, sorry. I'm just gonna s- sit here and weep silent tears. <laughs> that, Don't mind me. That, you you got to wipe them on thorns, man, if you want to get in the spirit of that game. That's fair. That's fair. I need to play this game, actually. I'm looking at this. This looks amazing. I know. Yeah, it was on sale for like half off on the PlayStation. I'm like, yeah, I'll do that. It, it is It is hard. Like, it is It is like Nintendo hard. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, nothing new with me. Continuing with the Mario Kart 8 with the kids because it's fun. Uh, Dragon Quest Eleven. I have not finished it because there's a couple of optional bosses that I still want to do, but I actually like beat the game today. So the kids got to see the, the ending, which uh, they seem to like. Okay, I guess. I don't know. Um, and then, uh, I fired up a game of Stellaris again because they finally released the console update for that and it really changed the game. And so I've been doing my, my space operas, uh, which has been interesting. I, I got a really good game. Like literally my third of the universe is empty except for me. And it's not really easy to get into. So I've been, I've been all alone in this gigantic expanse that I could take over. So I've got like the mega empire right now, which is kind of fun. I've never had a, just a Titanic empire before. So keeping on top of that's kind of a pain in the ass, but it's a good time. <laughs> awesome. I like it. I like it. Oh my god! I just found a five-bedroom house in Sevilla for three hundred thousand euro. Like, there you go. Oh. I mean, right, Jonathan, cord- bring it back. Coordinating your recordings will be harder, but you can do it. I'm just frustrated with the United States right now. That's all. Is, is it time? Does Brendan get to hear it now? No, not yet. No? Not yet. It not hasn't yet? been there yet. We're, we're okay. not there yet. We're, we'll get no. there. I'm sure it'll come up. All right. All right. Maybe it'll be while we're talking board games. Yeah. Board games. Yeah. Uh, where, uh, do you, who do you want to start? Uh, uh, I've been, Well, we've all been Robert. playing the things we've yeah. all been playing. So, yeah. Right yeah. now, it's just uh, welcome to. Because mm-hmm. 7-1 just um, finished and nobody's I love that game. Again. Even though I can't for the life of me catch a break this game. Like, I just, I need a fence. I need a friggin' fence. <laughs> it's yeah, I got tough. this thing prepped for fencing, but I need fences. Mm-hmm. I hear you. Although I did do the Lord's work. I was at the library, and a, a library worker showed the impressive collection of library games that they have to this mom and this kid, and they had no idea what they were looking at. So I'm like, I used to do this professionally. Do you want any help, you guys? And they're like, sure. And so I was I was talking up. Uh, I, I got them to, I, I hopefully... Because I, I couldn't stick around to see if it happened. I, I really wanted them to play photosynthesis. I was really pushing hard for that one. 
So oh, nice. I love that game. Yeah. Because, yeah, the, the mom said she's not terribly into games, but like dad and the kid are a little bit more into it. So I was like, this is a good, it's a good medium. It's one of those like easy to learn, difficult to master games. I think you guys will like it. And the kid was like, it's about trees growing. And I'm like, it's fine. It's fine. Trust me. It's good times. <laughs> <laughs> it's about the cutthroat world of trees growing. <laughs> yeah. That and game, how they screw each other over yeah, for a little bit more sunshine. Incredibly. That's way vi- more vicious than it seems like it should be. Oh, yeah. No <laughs> joke. Like, who, who knew that tree growth was, was that mean? I was going to say, the, the only game that I know of that it turns out to be far more cutthroat than you realize it was going to be is the art of chill. <laughs> that game, man, you're going to take my paintbrush right when I need it. Seriously, seriously. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I can see people getting into a fight over the art of chill. Yeah. It's, it uh, does kind of violate the, the core principle of the game, but that's okay. I get it. <laughs> that's the Bob Ross one. It's been a good couple weeks for, big heavy games for me um i got to try old classic called the princes of florence which is just a whole bunch of beige with some tetromino pieces it's it's one of those unforgiving early 2000s auction games where nobody really knows how much stuff should cost so your first game you're all just kind of floundering around but there's enough crunch there that i I definitely would enjoy playing it again i'm not sure oh man this game looks super crunchy yeah and it's Wolfgang Kramer. It's an old Rio Grande game, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's really interesting. You're, so you're building, you know, it takes place in uh, Renaissance Italy. You're building a palazzo and you're trying to get artists to come in. There's some really fun theming in there in that one of the things you can do is add, there's three different freedoms you can add to your city state. You can add the freedom of travel, the freedom of opinion, or the freedom of uh, religion, I think are the three. And, different artists like those different freedoms. So one of the ways you'll get better art out of them is like, if this one artist really likes to have the freedom of religion, you'll get better art from them. If you've granted them that freedom, it's, it's a hilariously kind of mechanical way to, to look at ruling your kingdom. But yeah, it was a good time. Uh, and then I got to try the famously heavy game from Vital Lacerda and Eagle Griffin games, the gallerist. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's a that is heavy. That's yeah. that's a metric ton of game. Yeah, it was a it was a lot, but it was really fun. Um, I had I played it just two player with another friend of mine who really likes Lacerda games. Also, actually, he's the he's my friend in my circle that collects those games. So when I played on Mars, I played it with him also. Um, and it it was really fun. I did not. I don't like the theme at all. I don't care about modern art and the economics thereof. I mean, it it's probably satire of the art market, honestly because the quality of the art doesn't matter at all. It's all about making the artist famous and then selling their art. But it, you know, for a a good crunchy heavy game, I can totally see why people really like it for myself. I I'd prefer on Mars. And um, I mean, anytime somebody says, Hey, you want to play the gallerist? Yeah, I'll play it. It's really neat, but it it certainly won't ever be my choice probably. Uh, And then in the last two weeks, I've gotten in three plays of the new hotness Number 13 on Board Game Geek already. It just came out last year. This is Arc Nova, which is a game about building a zoo. Each player is building their own zoo, and it's got a couple of really neat things in it. Um, it's very heavy and crunchy. Probably in terms of weight, it's very close to terraforming Mars. Um, and it has some of that same feel because you're building like tableaus of cards that all do stuff, and you're paying attention to the tags that are on those cards. But the two things that make Arc Nova really interesting from a gameplay standpoint, one is the the way that you pick what you're going to do. So you have these five cards and they're in a row. And it's sort of like 
I don't know. I, I saw coverage of the old of the Conan game that came out a couple years ago, or the Batman game, where you have like a river of actions that you can do, and the yeah. the further along the river they are, the more powerful the actions are, and then when you use them, they go back to the end of the river where they're weak. And this game uses that same that same idea. You have like five different ways you can develop your zoo, and if the car if the card is at the top of the this river, then it's the most powerful. Uh, and then when you whenever you use any of the cards, it goes back to the bottom and sort of starts at the weakest. So it's a really neat. And then all of those cards can be upgraded, too. But in any given game, you can only upgrade three or four of the five. So there's a lot of really interesting choices to be made about, like, which of these am I going to upgrade and how am I going to kind of get the combos to trigger off each other? And then the other thing that the scoring is really neat uh, is something that the, I first saw in the game Rajas of the Ganges, which is you have two separate scoring tracks and the game ends when someone's score on one track meets their score on the other track. And your final score is how far you got your two pass your two pieces past each other on that track. Um, it's a, it's a really neat mechanism, but it results in these really demoralizing scores. So like our, fir- <laughs> <laughs> cause our first game we played for three and a half hours and the four players that we had, our scores were 11, 9, 1, and negative 6. <laughs> and it's really it's really a bummer to get, you know. Sounds play- like every third <laughs> game of Seven Wonders for me. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but uh, I've played three times now, and I'm, I'm really starting to get the hang of it. This last game, my wife and I played today, I got 35 points. So um, that felt pretty good. Uh, and then, you know, I can see why it's really popular. It You got... You have tons of animal cards, so it's really fun to, like, kind of imagine the zoo that you're building. If you ever played, like, Zoo Tycoon or any of those games, it's got a little feel of that to it. You are you get to put out the um, different enclosures and then decide which animals are going in them. But then it also has all the really interesting combo things, and um, there's just a lot going on. I can, I can absolutely see why it's really popular, and I'm certain that it will uh, stay popular for me this year. So that's Ark Nova. If you get a chance to play it, you should. Well, um, for me, it's been a couple games with the kids. That's all. Uh, we've played a bunch of Marvel United X-Men. Um, the kids finished up school. And so um, since we had uh, some time off as well, I sat down and we played a bunch of Uni- uh, Marvel United X-Men with them. And they were having a great time. And I'm really just I love that little system. It's not tough to teach, but there's still a lot of a lot of crunch in there. Like just just enough to to give like a hardcore game or something to sink their teeth into. You know what I mean? Is there any systemic, like substantial difference between the other Marvel United game and the X-Men one? If you play base rules, no. And they're completely interchangeable. Um, but there are several additive rule sets in the X-Men game. And especially with the, the expansions that really do change it up quite a bit. Uh, and so here's my, the big question is, can you be that character who makes everybody freeze and then you get to run around and like adjust their sunglasses and stuff? Cause oh, that's, Quicksilver? <laughs> Cause that's yes, you what can. Quicksilver's do. in the game. <laughs> so when you're playing Quicksilver, do you just take all your turns at the beginning? <laughs> <laughs> no, but he does have some interesting cards about that are that are they're um, specific to him that basically let him jump the line on on, on some things. That's funny. And then I've been playing Century Silk Road with Dale uh, mm. on um, Board Game Arena, which has continued to be fun. Of course, we have our Welcome to game. Uh, I introduced Pandemic to some uh, some friends of mine that had never played it before. And uh, so we we're having fun battling diseases. That game still feels uh, awkwardly realistic 
in 2022. Mm-hmm. It doesn't hit the way it used to. It hits a lot closer to home than it's supposed to, and it feels just awkward and odd. And when you lose, you realize just how broken our government is. <laughs> well, and I, now it's time, Robert, because f- you, Greg Abbott, you really f- up our state. That's all. For the listeners who don't know, I teach a board game class. Uh, so I teach a couple different ones, actually. And one of the classes I teach is called Board Games as Literature. And in the past, I have used Pandemic as one of the... We have a unit where we play Pandemic. We watch the movie Contagion, and we read sections of The Hot Zone. Well, this year when I taught the class... Oh, man, that, that book is... Oh, it's incredible. Um, yeah. But when I taught the class this year, I decided, hmm, there's a decent chance I've got some student in class who you know lost a family member to the Pandemic. So maybe we won't play Pandemic. So I, I used Horrified instead, and we did a unit. We read The Invisible Man by Jules Verne or H.G. Uh, Wells, H.G. Wells. And we watched uh, some of the Universal Monster movies, and then we played Horrified. But then I had then I couldn't play Betrayal at House on the Hill, too, because it's not a horror class. So then I had to get rid of that. So I basically had to redo my entire syllabus because I couldn't play Pandemic anymore. So I agree. It feels like it hits too home, too close to home. Yeah, it's really weird playing it post actual pandemic it it's just i don't know it it feels like there's a lot more social weight to it than they're supposed to be you know what i mean <laughs> yeah <laughs> the the gameplay itself like totally totally still vibes like it's such a great little co-op experience and it's a great way to hook new people into board games um and then i played something crunchy with myself um i sat down and i played some single player hadrian's wall and continued to have fun with that um, we talked about it a little in the last episode or the one before, and I can't remember which, but um, it came up because it got called out for a, a Game of the Year award. And um, yeah, it just kind of put it in my head. And so I took it out and played it again and had a great time. And then while camping, um, I taught my kids how to play dominoes. And yeah, we had a good time with dominoes. It's a good math game. Uh, I think that's it then. we've. Uh, I think we've done all the sections. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of our off-the-shelf segment, which means, of course, it's break time. And when we return, it'll be time for our wisdom of crowds. So we will see you in a moment. We love getting feedback, so please let us know how we're doing by one of the following. You can become our patron over at Patreon. Search for Forgot My Dice. We also have a Discord page where we organize games and chat about all sorts of stuff. Find a link on our website, ForgotMyDice.com. You can also message us or tweet at us on the Twitters. Find us at Forgot My Dice. And of course, you can email us at fmdpodcast2016 at gmail.com. Or you can head on over to our website, ForgotMyDice.com, where all of our episodes are available, plus game reviews and other content. If you like the show, the best way for more people to find out about us is to give us a review on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or Stitcher. Last of you, for those of you listening in the village, call the operator, give your number, and ask for us to be put on the rotation. Robert, this, this needs to stop. Listen, I'll, I'll make you a deal. I will not make any deals with you. I will not be pushed, filed, stamped, indexed, briefed, debriefed, or numbered. My life is my own. Oh, God, I'm going to cut his cord. And now it's time for the news to clap back with the Wisdom of Crowds segment, our bi-weekly tabletop news segment, and that was the most passive-aggressive joke I've said all day. No, no, no welcome back, no. Welcome no back welcome back, back. no. <laughs> Just straight, straight into the passive-aggressive joke that nobody has any context for, but I assure you it was funny in a very Barbie kind of way. I'm sure they got the clap. Clap. <laughs>
I applaud that comment. <laughs> I need to be put down. All right, moving right along. It is, of course, time for tabletop news. And uh, yeah, there is some tabletop news to discuss. I've got a couple and uh, Robert's got a couple. And then, Brendan, you've got one, right? Right on. All right. Well, returning to the Marvel Champions world, uh, it's getting another big box expansion. And this is all about the X-Men. It's time for the Mutant Genesis Crisis. Yes, the Mutant Genesis is going to add um, X-Men like Colossus and Shadowcat and foes like Magneto, Sabretooth, and of course, everybody's favorite mindless killer robots, the Sentinels. A uh, bunch of new scenarios, a bunch of new hero packs, a bunch of stuff all around um, mut- the Mutant Genesis crisis in the game or in the comics is coming to you soon. Uh, they're expecting it in fall of 2022. Man, that game just keeps on going. Yeah, yeah, they got a hit, hit on their hands there for sure. It sure is fun. Have you played it yet, Brandon? No, because I play Arkham Horror and I just can't risk playing it and discovering that I need it because I'm already neck deep in one. I can't get another. LCG. I get that. No, I get that. I suffer from the same affliction. <laughs> Ray's the one always talking about War of the Ring, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Ray, I've got some good news for you, buddy. Uh, Ares Games has a new game coming out, War of the Ring, the card game. Ooh. In fact, when's this episode coming out, Robert? Uh, let me open the calendar app so I can take a look. It, that would be the <laughs> How seventh. How dare you, topic. sir? How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> Just before this episode came out, and I'm sure that there will be a recording of it somewhere on the internet because that's the way the internet works, Ares Games is actually on June 4th hosting a worldwide preview of the game. Uh, and it will be at the UK Game Expo as well. It's a team-based game for two to four players, and each player is going to control uh, one or more, depending on how many players you have, factions. The factions are different, uh, definitely aligned with either the Shadow Armies or the Free People. Uh, each faction has its own deck, and yeah, it's a simpler, portable, and accessible version of the big, giant War of the Rings 2nd Edition that they, um, they released. So there you go. War of the Rings, the card game. It was designed by Ian Brody. And uh, you might know his name from the Quartermaster General series. And it will be out in late 2022. Is it going to be shorter? Well, I mean, if it's simpler, and more portable, more accessible, I'm thinking that the time comes down as well. Yes. All right. But there's only one way to find out. And that's when the game comes out. Because I looked for the, uh, for the, uh, the rule book, but it's not out yet. Okay. All right. Well, June 25th, so the end of the month, my friends. It is free RPG day for participating stores in your area. So go forth and get free RPG demo-y stuff. Uh, some highlights include, it looks like there's going to be a root RPG thingy that's going to come out, if that is your bag. Paizo, of course, is doing one of the... Paizo Adventures, actually, for free RPG day are quite excellent. I would highly recommend. Privateer Press is releasing something for the Iron Kingdoms 5th edition Darrington Press, who is the uh, the publishing arm of uh, Critical Role, apparently is going to have something, but that is to be announced, and so on and so forth. Oh, and there's going to be Cyberpunk Easy Mode, which will be a demo for the Cyberpunk Red. So there you go. Uh, go check it out. It's at the end of the month. Just friendly reminder, I guess. Jonathan. All right. Well, we are starting to get our nominations for the 2022 awards season. And now it's time for our nominations for the Spiel de Jahr awards. Those are, of course, the big awards that come out of Germany every year. They're kind of industry standard. 
And we've got all of our nominees that have been published. So, Kinderspiel nominees. Uh, Mitt Quacks and Company. And there's a, another word in there that I... Quid, Quidlinburg? I don't know. It's by Wolfgang Warsh, and I can't pronounce it. Uh, Schmitzpiel. Ach, schon clever. Uh, by Wolfgang Warsh. I have played one of the clever games. I I don't know if it's the same one. Maybe when it was released in the United States, it was released yeah, they, under a different name. But the yeah, clever that, games are they call awesome. it that that's so clever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that yeah. was great. So if that's that one, it's good. So the Wolfgang Warsh also designed the Quacks of Quedlinburg. Is that what you were saying? No, no, no. Uh, the first one is Mick Quacks and Company nach Quedlinburg. Oh yeah, I guess it was Wolfgang. I wonder if Warsh. that's an expansion yeah. for Quacks of Quedlinburg. I mean, your guess is as good as mine. My German's a little non-existent. Uh, I know that the German the German title for the original was Die Quacksalberg von Quedlinburg. And I, I'm sure I got that pronunciation right. So sorry to interrupt. No, it's okay. Uh, my ability to pronounce German words is really bad, apparently, is what <laughs> I'm learning very quickly. Uh, and then finally, Zalbergberg. No, Zalberberg. Also known as Magic Mountain, those words I can pronounce, uh, by Jens Peter Schleiman and Bernhard Weber uh, from Amigo Games. Uh, those are your nominees for the Kinderspiel. The Kennerspiel de Yar, uh, some games we've talked about here on the show, Cryptid by Hal Duncan and Ruth Beers, uh, Living Forest by Oscar Christensen and Ludenaut, and... Show favorite and part of Dune Watch 2023, <laughs> Dune Imperium by Paul Denon and Direwolf Digital. By the way, Brendan, have you played Dune Imperium? Did you play with us once? Uh, yeah, I've played it a couple times online and one time on a table. That is good stuff, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty good. That is just tasty. And not just because it takes place in the Dune universe. That just makes it tastier. It's like <laughs> yeah. adding ice to your iced tea. I will say I'm not quite as enthusiastic about it as everyone else seems to be. It's like, is it in the top 10 on Board Game Geek now? It's at least in the top 20, and I'm not sure it deserves to be there, but whatever. I'm grumpy about it. That's okay. That's okay. To, to each their own, right? Yeah. Maybe one of the Spiel de Yar nominees will be for you. Perhaps. Scout! And I say it that way because there's a giant exclamation point at the end. By <laughs> Kay Kajino. Cascadia by Randy Flynn. Oh, and that definitely finally, is for me. That game's there great. You. Oh, it's that might have my like cover of the year award because that cover is mm-hmm. dope mm-hmm. with the big giant majestic elk. Indeed. And top ten by Aurelien Picolet. I think we should just call this segment Jonathan doesn't know any languages other than Spanish and English, and it's painfully <laughs> obvious. So there you go. A uh, lot of a um, lot of. New nominees, um, Wolfgang Warsh, of course, this is actually his fifth and sixth nominations. He's a hit maker. Yeah. Oh, I, the, the clever game that I played is Ganjan Clever. Right. That's that's it. I love that game. That, that was a, well, clever game. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. I was not trying to be funny. I think that one works really well as a phone app. I've never played it. I've never played it in person, but uh, I've played dozens of it, games it, of it. It, on it the actually phone. works even better as a phone app than in, in person. It really does, legitimately. I love that game. I played the living daylights out of that game. Uh, and another game we've played on, or we've we've talked about and played on the show is Takedo. And we, there's a new version of Takedo coming out called Takedo Duo. 
Ooh. specifically for two players. Uh, it is from the original designer, Antoine Bauza. Uh, and Antoine Bauza has made a lot of really good two-player games. Looking at you, Seven Wonders Duels. Mm-hmm. Of course, Takedo's definitely a little bit different than Seven Wonders. In Takedo, you're trying to have a pleasant journey across uh, Japan. And um, there's a linear track that you follow with different action spaces. And you're apparently in Takedo Duo, you are very similar to Takedo, just trying to collect a variety of different things while you travel through the island. And it will be debuting at the UK Games Expo uh, this year and is scheduled for release by the end of the year, by the end of 2022. And I think that sounds like a fabulous idea. I have this firmly on my, my purchase list. Yeah, it'll be fun to see what he does to make it play differently than the original. Because the original is absolutely a great, like, end of the night. You want to chit-chat oh, yeah. while you're playing. Super mellow game. Yeah, it's perfect for that. So I'm, I'm curious to see how the dual, duo changes things. Wizards of the Coast has announced some delays because, you know, this post-COVID world and supply chain suck. Journeys Through the Radiant Citadel has been moved to July 19th, and the campaign case Terrain has been moved to August 16th uh, of this year. Unaffected is the campaign case Critters, which is still coming out on July 19th, and Spelljammer Adventures in Space, which will come out on August 16th. And that's it. (laughs) Brendan, what's your story that you've brought us? Well, I was really excited because, as you both know, I'm a big fan of mysteries, and I particularly like cozy mysteries. I love Columbo. I love, and I, I love Murder She Wrote. And I learned that there is an RPG that's getting a new edition uh, on Kickstarter. It's just wrapping up as we're recording this, so people who are interested here will have to go in late pledge. But we all know how this works. There's going to be late pledges available. And this is called Brindlewood Bay, and it's sort of like Murder, She Wrote meets Cthulhu. And you play a bunch of uh, elderly women who are trying to solve mysteries around town. But, you know, it's uh, the yellow uh, king at the king in yellow, and it's uh, the Dunwich Horror, I'm sure. And, you know, all of the all of the classic uh, tentacles uh, creeping out of the water kinds of things. It's just that you're a bunch of old ladies trying to solve it. And it, it's, it looks really just up my, up my alley. They have a variety of different funding goals that you can uh, go for. I went in for the uh, digital PDFs, so I'm not going to get a big bulky book, unfortunately, but it also means I'm not breaking my bank to play it. And uh, I'm really excited to try this out. So yeah, um, it's on Kickstarter right now. They've raised nearly half a million dollars. I'm super jealous. And uh, it will be out uh, sometime later this year. You did not so. mention the best part. The uh, the companion book for it is called Nephews in Peril, which is <laughs> That's right. Probably. <laughs> well, I don't know. Are either of you uh, Murder, She Wrote fans? Yes. I used to watch The Living Daylights out of that show when I was young. So about every 10th episode or so features uh, Mrs. Fletcher's bumbling nephew, Grady, who's gotten himself <laughs> into some sort of trouble, and she has to go uh, rescue him. So uh, that really suits the format, I think. So it's a it's a Powered by Apocalypse game, and it looks like Jason Cordova is the lead designer. So. Also, they, they funded the Brindlewood Bay Community Cookbook, which is uh, in character, I guess, prompts and whatnot. Plus, uh, <laughs> just just recipes like the uh, the the, pr- the demo one or whatever you want to call it is uh, peanut butter and jelly scones. So you can, Ooh. you know, bake it yourself, which sounds fun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a good way to set up theme for an RPG day. You know, if you make the make the recipes from the book and then play the game. Yeah, it's gonna be great. I'm sure next time when I check in, I'll be able to talk about 
how it was, or unfortunately, more likely, the PDF that I read and never played. I stand by what I said during the break. If you make a Golden Girls versus Vampires module for it, I mean, like, I'm there and I'm totally dorky. I was going to say, which, which one are you? Yeah. No, uh, I'm always Dorothy. <laughs> I will always be Dorothy. Dorothy is my spirit animal. I love her to death. Uh, Rose. I would play Rose. Ah, ah, that was the one I was going to go with. I have, <laughs> I have a knack that tell, of telling stories that don't really go anywhere. Like, I, I, I don't know how... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how one could wrong, argue that I you and I both have that knack and we've made an entire secondary career out of it, Robert. <laughs> All right, well, maybe I'd be Sophia then. That's fine. You can claim Rose. Sophia's pretty good. She's very snarky. Mm-hmm. Ray can be Blanche. <laughs> <laughs> I'm down. Ray, will you be our Blanche? <laughs> uh, Hashtag Golden Girls versus Vampires. Let's make it happen, people. Indeed. So <laughs> if people want to check this. it out, they can uh, Google Brindlewood Bay Kickstarter. That'll take you right there. It's got Damn, 79 really minutes left. Seventy twenty 20 bucks for the PDFs. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about it. Stop being a pusher. <laughs> I thought that was the point of this segment. It is. Damn it. 76 minutes, uh, I should say. Now, the real question is, do I want the hardcover or not? Well, uh, Robert, you can cut this if you want, but um, there is one more Kickstarter I've been following lately. It's not actually a Kickstarter. It's on GameFound, and it is the new super fancy version of castles of burgundy i don't know if you've seen this thing but uh castles of burgundy is sort of legendary for being a really really good euro game that just looks like garbage like the first edition just looks so boring yeah it was really bad and then they released like a deluxe new edition a couple years ago and they zhuzhed up the art and it still looked bad like the the new art is you know moderately better but it's not by any, it does not meet any of the standards we would expect of a modern hobby game. Well, so they pass it off to Awakened Realms, and they have they have just given this thing the gold star treatment. Like they did all new art, and it's just gorgeous. They give you these just tons of double layer boards. They give you miniatures for your little castles. And uh, I did not go in for the um, acrylic tiles. You can get acrylic tiles, but I mean, it's just chock a block full of stuff, and it's raising all kinds of money and. This is a game that I've played dozens of times online but never had a physical copy of because I always, frankly, I just thought it looked like trash and my wife wouldn't want to play it. And the new one looks so good. I'm, I'm super excited for it. So, yeah, Castles of Burgundy, um, the new one from Awakened Realms over on GameFound, which is trying to steal some of Kickstarter's juice. And I think they're work- I think it's working. All right. I want you guys to both know what I'm doing. I hear clicking. Yeah, I'm doing it. Which one? The digital one. For what? <laughs> Brindlewood Bay. <laughs> yes. I really want to do this expansion yeah. or whatever module. Golden Girls. <laughs> Golden Girls versus Vampires. Look, it's been in the back of my head for a long, long time. Yeah. I'm, and now I'm, I, maybe I can make this happen. Yeah, I'm, I'm in for a physical book for something, but I'm like, if I downgrade that, I could get this. So, but I don't know. I don't know if I have time to think about it. Cause oh, I, but I'm getting it, Robert. So okay. I'll, I'll, I'll run it. That. I'll run it. But. Brendan, I might need your help in making my module happen. Okay. Ah, oh, God, what have I'm, I done? Jonathan, I'm kind of okay with being a forever GM. If you and, and, and I don't know if you know this. I know a fair amount about vampires. I'm just saying. I know a bit about yeah, the Dracula. You do. You do. <laughs> our, 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 yeah, I did it. I did it. God. Our dentures that have fangs, are they called fangtures? <laughs> <laughs> 
I like it. I like I it. Vaguely recall a horror. Yeah, what movie does happen if you become a vampire but you've already lost your teeth? That's a really con- that's a conundrum. Well, in the uh, the Bram Stoker movie, they got the new set above, like the 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 the, the Nosferatu little teeth that come in kind of above your uh, your inside or whatever. Yeah. So maybe you just get those. Maybe you're just you know gummy mouthed except for the the, the fangs. <laughs> oh, look at me! I just pledged for a Kickstarter. I think this is the first one I've backed all year. Oh wow, that's pretty good. I didn't. Yeah, I don't know. I've just. I'm out of room, man. Well, the digital ones. You always got room yeah, for another digital. That's, that's PDF. what I just did. The digital. All right. Yeah, we're gonna do this. This is happening, gang. This is happening. Ray, prepare your Blanche. <laughs> well, if I'm running, I can't be Rose, so that's fine. So I guess, I guess Blanche and who else? Sophia. Sophia. Both, yeah. Sophia. Yeah. We can get my wife in on this. She could pick a Golden Girl. I don't know if she's watched Golden Girls. We have to fix that. All right. Anyway. <laughs> what? Yeah, we do need to fix that. That show is friggin' golden. By the way, fun fact, I went back and watched a couple of Golden Girls episodes. Man, it holds up a lot better than you'd expect. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of our Tabletop News segment, which means, of course, it is time for a king in all things. Welcome to part 17 in our 42-part series, A King in All Things, where we are watching Stephen King movies based on novels and novellas in order of release date, along with the occasional little bonus. Uh, Today's is not a bonus, though. It is a film in the series, the 16th film in the series. We are firmly planted in the mid-1990s, which you can totally tell by the film stock used. Just saying, movies from the 90s have a certain look. This has it. Uh, Dolores Claiborne. Uh, directed by Taylor Hackford. Made for a budget of $13 million. It made $46.4 million. And, uh, yeah. And Brandon, you were able to watch this too, right? I was. I uh, rented it on Amazon. I was tricked by my library. Normally, our library is open on Sundays through Memorial Day. And then it's closed on Sundays. You know, it's open six days a week over the summer. And then they start. But it turns out the Sunday before Memorial Day is Memorial Day weekend. So they take that Sunday off also. So it should have been the last Sunday it was open. It was closed. So I ended up renting it on Amazon. But, yes, I watched it. It was a delight. I mean, I, I was it very. Was, surprised. It was very good. I thought it was very good. Delight. So the, maybe I, I never had word. a chance to watch this when it first <laughs> came out. I, I just, for some reason, I missed it, which is mm-hmm. really weird. I probably because in the mid '90s I was working in movie theater, and I don't think we had Dolores Claiborne. Yeah, I mean, I was in high school, so uh, I did not watch this movie when I was in high school. Yeah, I did not either, um, which which is a shame. Although in high school, I don't know if I would have appreciated what it was. Yeah. I, I do feel that um, it's fair to say that if Kathy Bates is in a Stephen King movie, we get some good stuff. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Like her performance was off the charts good. All right. All right. Really well, good, hold man. on. Hold on. Let's 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 go over the plot real quick first, gentlemen, uh, just so people know what we're talking about. And wow, there's a loud ass car outside my house. So yeah, the basic plot is uh, uh, it's kind of a murder mystery in a weird way, or I I, yep. I don't even know how to yeah, describe it's, it. It's it's very not King. Yeah, yeah, but basically uh, Dolores is working for an old lady and at the beginning the old lady dies and it really looks like Dolores killed her and then but you know for the whole movie it's like did she kill her did she not and there her daughter comes home and it's a lot of them talking and remembering the past and their uh, her husband but and remembering distinctly different versions of the past. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just it's very it's very very strange. And also uh, Christopher Plummer's in it as this uh, investigator who uh, didn't catch Dolores because he she, he totally thought she killed her husband, but he couldn't prove it. And 
Yeah, it's 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 kind of a weird movie because it, it bounces around in time in weird ways because it, there's a lot of people having flashbacks and are they hallucinating or not? And yeah, it's it's um it's a weird movie. But yeah, distinctly nothing supernatural Plummer is going was on. Phenomenal. Yeah. And let's let's not forget the incredible David Strathairn, who in one movie he'll be like the your favorite person ever, and in another movie he will just be garbage. This is the husband, the guy who played the husband. Yeah, uh, he, yeah. He no, knows, he is a total chameleon. He's a great actor, yeah. yeah. Uh, also, the guy who played the, the local sheriff was pretty good, and I recognize, he, he, he was that guy. I think I John saw C. him last Riley, year. right? Yeah, John C. Riley, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's that guy's name. I totally forgot. But yeah, yeah. I wasn't keeping track. Did it pass the Bechdel test, though? I, I thought it did, but I, I wasn't sure because I wasn't paying attention to it until I thought about it near the end. The what test? The, the two women having a conversation that doesn't involve a man at some point during a movie. And, and, and isn't about a man. Um, yeah. yeah I, I mean, I think the, you know, the, the ostensibly the main character other than Dolores is her daughter played by Jennifer Jason Lee. Uh, and those two have a number of conversations that's about their relationship more than the, the, the father. And, and you also have the, um, the elderly, well, the fla- in the flashbacks, you have Vera, the elderly woman, um, that, uh, Dolores took care of, took care of. I think the most striking thing, Jonathan, is what you said. This isn't a king. This doesn't feel like a king story. And this this does feel like something that I, I don't know which book it was, but it feels like something that Richard Bachman would have written just because it, yeah, it's him exploring a different kind of storytelling rather than just uh, just supernatural horror. So I was I was reading a little bit about this. Originally, it was going to be part of a, a project that was uh, called Through the Eclipse or something like that. And it was going to be combined with what became Gerald's game because both of those have eclipses that happen that are main parts of the plot. So it's just, it was going to be stories that happened around Maine that, yeah. And the eclipse is the thing that ties them together, but otherwise they are not connected, but that didn't work out because I guess he wrote too much, (laughs) which is the King thing to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I was, I was shocked. Like I, I, I literally was, was watching this and I was like, damn, this movie is so good. And I know and it, it doesn't good. pull punches. Oh no. Oh no. Like, Oh, Oh dang. <laughs> it was like, yeah. it was intense mm-hmm. and it only continued. Like what's interesting to me is like watching the first five minutes of the movie. You're like, Oh man, this is going to be a cheesy hot mess. Like it totally comes off. They play it off as like almost spoofy. Right. And then it begins to ratchet tension slowly. And it, 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 begins to really show itself as more than just that, that first five minutes shows. And and that's part of the trick that it pulls. Like it makes you feel really, really comfortable. And then it takes you into very uncomfortable territory. And then it does not pull any of its punches. And they, they score that much worse because you're totally disarmed by the first five minutes. I think one of the things that makes it uh, pretty remarkable is, well, okay, I'll put it this way. When I was watching it, my wife came in and said hello, and I paused it, and I said, you know, we got about a half an hour left, and I kind of told her what was going to happen. And she's like, oh, have you seen this before? I'm like, no, but, you know, they littered the whole first half of the movie with Chekhov's guns that have to go off. But what I think is remarkable about it is you can see where the plot is going way earlier than you would expect to, Mm -hmm. but it pays off in a way that you're that you really want to watch it. You don't feel, you don't feel cheated by the fact that you know where it's going. And because you know where the story is going, the emotional elements, the scenes that you guys were talking about where they don't pull punches, they work that much better because you're not worrying about, well, what's going to happen. You know, what's going to happen. So instead it's the, the emotional character, the emotional um, revelations of the characters. You can give yourself to those moments because you're not worrying about the plot. I, I mean, I thought it was really, pretty remarkable in that way. 
it was a surprise in every way. I, I, I like the, the use of the, the uh, what is it, the Latin, mu, mutatis mutandis. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really, the way it's it's woven through the three core women of the film, and they're all essentially doing the same thing, but in very different ways. Like, it was, I don't know, I I was deeply moved by the film. Like, it was, it, it struck me on a, a, a much deeper note than I ever thought any of these movies would. Yeah, I almost don't want to spoil it, because I, I have a feeling like a lot of people haven't seen it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and yeah. It, this is one it, of the... It was few- a treat! Yeah, this is one of the few yeah. movies that is that we've watched yet so far that I would say like, yeah, definitely drop what you're doing, go out and watch it. It's it's worth it. it it's a drama and it's heavy, but yeah, it's- and and it should be it should be said that uh, you know, content alert. If you are easily triggered by abusive relationships of any sort, you should con- take that into consideration when watching this film. Yeah, yeah it could be a tough watch. True yeah. that. Very, it can be a very tough watch. But that being said, it is a hell of a film with Christopher Plummer and Kathy Bates both. I mean, grade A plus performances. Not that we'd expect anything different from Kathy Bates, but I mean, Christopher Plummer's character just, I mean, the way he plays it, he's always got an angle and he's always trying to catch her. And it was just, I thought, a a brilliant, subtle performance. I I got a good anecdote about him uh, when I was reading stuff. Um, They wanted him to look really disheveled for some reason. And so, you know, they gave him kind of messy hair and they bought all these suits that they were trying to put on him that were were ill-fitting. And every time they put a suit on him, like they're like, no, no. And they went through like a pile of suits to like try to put on him. And eventually Christopher Plummer just had to look at the director and like humble brag. It's like, I, I can't look bad in a suit. It's just something about the way I'm built. Just just stop. I'm, I'm just too sexy <laughs> that way. <laughs> and so what they did instead was they messed up his hair a little bit more. And, and you notice they, they wouldn't really focus on what he was wearing as much. They kind of, you know, did the, the, the face shot. And, uh, <laughs> That's they, funny. and they, uh, they went in with like a, a pencil and they made it look like he had a broken nose that wasn't set right. And they, they yeah, they. Yeah, I thought that was a really interesting touch that 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 nose touch that was christopher Plummer's idea because he's just so damn sexy you can't make him look bad in a suit <laughs> i mean look he's one of the only characters that like was still sexy looking in a, as a klingon i'm just saying uh-huh, uh-huh, he made uh-huh. a sexy klingon <laughs> god that feels like a show title just i was just gonna say did you just title the show <laughs> <laughs> i didn't mean mean to what's interesting is there were a lot of negative reviews of this movie when it first came out I and could see I'm, why. I could totally yeah, see why. Yeah, I could see it's why. A, it's, a, it's, it's a movie about two women. <laughs> and, yeah. and and it's a very, very oddly like real movie about two women. You know, like it, It's a very feminist movie, actually, I felt. No. Like, like a, a positive feminist portrayal. Yeah. Uh, but no, I like in the mid-90s, oh, God, I could see why, yeah. you know, it, it didn't. Yeah, it, this, this movie definitely felt ahead of its time. Especially if everybody wanted, if everyone was expecting another thriller like Misery. Um, yeah. Because you have Kathy Bates and it's a Stephen King book. And so people who don't know the book, they're like, oh, it's going to be, you know, another misery type story. And it isn't that at all. But, so. but you know, bully, bully to Kathy Bates, because like that really just shows her range because she does both of these characters great justice. And these characters could not be further apart from one another. Yeah. Also, like really incredible film work. I mean, it's got to be a mix of makeup and lighting and costume, but I totally believed in the flashbacks that Kathy Bates was 
25 years, 20 years younger than she was yeah. in the present day stuff. Yeah, and I, I kind of figured out how they did that. Like in the present day, they aged her up a little bit. And in the past, they aged her down. So she's yeah. not actually like that old <laughs> on either direction. They, used, they, used a, they certainly use a softer lens in the flashbacks. Yeah. Well, and, and they did some interesting usage of color, too. It must have been a pain in the ass to shoot it because half of it had to be shot in the summer and half of it had to be shot in the winter. Yeah. And that must have been a, 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 a tricky one. <laughs> yeah, the the, also, the the contemporary oh, stuff. Ahead. It's like the Wachowskis watched Dolores Claiborne right before they shot The Matrix, because like <laughs> that, light, <laughs> that lighting feels very similar. Yeah, yeah. a little green on it. No, <laughs> I just I was really I was really impressed by the movie from start to finish. Uh, the 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 only the only thing that even mildly caught my eye was that there's there's a scene late in the movie that is so obviously terribly blue screened. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it hurt. It hurt. It just like ripped me right out. I'm like, oh, you could have done this better, guys. Come on. Maybe they had to do it as a pickup because they didn't get it quite Yeah, right. it must have been. I don't know. All right. All right. Well, here's the real question. Where, where's it going on the king list of all good? Man, good I was just looking. I <sighs> I know where I'd put it. You want me to say it out loud? I, I'm, I'm thinking number three. I think it dethrones Shawshank. I think it dethrones The Shining. You know what? I'm willing to give the, that to you. And I don't know if it's because... I just never had seen it. And so it, it actually surprising me is, is giving it a little bit more value uh, than maybe it deserves. But I, I was really freaking impressed by it because I, I think it's, it's it, the most impressive thing is when you take the time into account, like this was 1994 movies like this didn't get made. Yeah. Well, and also like the shining and it oddly have a lot in common because it's a very small cast and it's care. It's a character study, but like the shining is nothing but mood and the characters are all archetypes. And uh, Dolores Claiborne is is all character, but the mood's also it's not as good as The Shining, but it's it, it sets its mood very well, like very, very well. I don't know. What do you yeah. think, Brendan? Um, on, on Instinct, I'd probably put it after Shawshank, but I haven't watched Misery or The Shining or Shawshank in five years, at least. So, you know, that's working on nostalgia. It, it doesn't fall into some recent, of the recent viewing, the traps that uh uh, Shawshank did. Shawshank mm-hmm. had a couple of questionable things going on that with modern eyes don't work. Yeah. There's almost nothing and, in this movie that feels that way. No, no it's, it's, it's almost timeless to be fair. Yeah. I was, I was, I was really, really impressed. I, I, I agree with you, Robert. I, I, I put it on the list dethroning the shining from its second, second place position down to third, which means our top five, and our top five is this. This does finally kick Salem's lot out of the top five, which is fair. Uh, <laughs> which the top is five is is a solid lot of movies. A and B also shows the absolute breadth of topics that Stephen King is comfortable writing about in in interesting ways. Because we've got misery, a character piece about obsession, Dolores Claiborne, a character piece about really abuse. The Shining, which is a total ghost story, Shawshank Redemption, you know, which is a, a, a redemption piece about character, and then Stand by Me, which is about being a kid. As a person who didn't help compile this list, it's fascinating to look at it and say, when you ask people what Stephen King writes, they'll say supernatural horror. Only one of the top five movies here is yeah. supernatural. I think that's pretty interesting. Which is funny because then when we get through six and ten, six through ten, it's all supernatural. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Salem's Lot, Pet Cemetery, Dead Zone, Needful Things, and Silver Bullet. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, no, oh, I, Silver Bullet. 
and, and don't get me wrong, like the, this top five list, it's really splitting hairs. <laughs> like it yeah. is, it is, it is the level of quality in these top five movies. I mean, they're they're separated by by inches, not 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 miles. The the mile occurs when you hit thirteenth uh, um, and twelfth. The, the the gap between Christine and the Running Man is. <laughs> and frankly, the dark half in Christine is pretty big. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. There is there is a Grand Canyon between 11, 12 and 13. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, alas, poor Carrie, you're now down to 17th. It's going to take a it's going to take a really crappy movie to, to unseat <laughs> Carrie from the 17th position. And we might get that chance in the next episode, Robert. Yeah. Next up is 1995's Thinner. Which I'm oh, a movie which which just uh, it just feels <laughs> like we're just destined for absolute time travel. Like this shouldn't be happening in oh, um, in 2022. It's gonna. I hurt. I already know we're we're gonna hit at least two big big things. We're gonna have some fat shaming and we're gonna have some uh, bad stereotypes about the Roma people. <laughs> like I already know about those. Can't yeah. wait to find out what else. It, it, gonna it be. seems inevitable. Yeah, this will be fighting for a bottom five position. Yeah, you know I watched Hellraiser eight, but I don't rec- I don't uh, envy you guys. <laughs> <laughs> which, wait, wait, which one's eight? Is that Hellraiser? I think eight is the last one. Hellraiser oh, okay. Revelation or oh yeah, like that, that one, that one, yeah, yeah. yeah where they, they they couldn't even afford that many chains with fish hooks in them. They're like five. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. No, I was I was shocked about how good that movie was. Like I was riveted the whole freaking yeah, time. Yeah, so was I. So was and I, I. Did did you not do anything while you're watching it? Because I told you, like, you actually have to pay attention. No, to I took your advice. I sat down and I watched it with no interruptions, with no nobody. Actually, everybody had left the house. They all went out to grab a bite, and I was just tired, so I I sat down and watched it start to finish with no uh, interruptions. It was great. Nice. Um, Taylor Hackford, by the way, you might know from uh, such hits as Ray. 2004's Ray, uh, Officer and Gentleman in 1982. I got nowhere else to go. And, of course, the uh, extremely memorable, extremely memorable White Knights. I don't remember starring that. What's your that? very own Mikhail Baryshnikov. <laughs> oh, wait, is that a thriller with, like, chess? No, no, oh. that's a... Uh, that's night uh, moves. With Gregory Hines when it's uh, American and Russian ballet dancers. Oh, all right. Hey, fun fact. When I was a kid, my mom took me to see the Russian Bolshoi val- Ballet perform the Nutcracker Suite at the Minneapolis Opera House or something. And right after the, the play that we saw, the head, the prima ballerina and the head, I don't know, ballet dude, whatever you call the guy, they ran out of the theater and got in a car and went into the embassy and claimed asylum. There you go. There you go. I can guarantee you that of everybody on this show, you were the closest to a KGB agent. Yeah, maybe. Nice. I like it. I remember White Knights because there's actually a really interesting plane crash at the beginning. Uh, and that's that's the whole like thing where like Mikhail Baryshnikov is on the plane and then he gets, uh, quote unquote, repatriated. Does he play what? himself? No, it's not. He does. He does play a character, but uh, I mean, oddly enough, they got a Russian ballet dancer to play a Russian ballet dancer. So right, right. not so far okay. off. But not he's so not. He, yeah, it wasn't literally playing a character named Mikhail Baryshnikov. No, 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 no. Okay. I think what was his character's name? Hold on, I'll tell you. 
Well, Jonathan's uh, looking that Nikolai up. Nikolai Koila Rodchenko. <laughs> oh, I, I really enjoyed his work in Project Gemini. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, bring it home. Bring it all the way around. I love it. By the way, everybody, uh, Brendan has informed me he's on his own movie thing where he's trying to find movies about board games. So if anybody could think of any, you let him know. Because he got me hooked into The Divine Move, which my wife has to watch because it's a South Korean movie. And mm-hmm. uh, thus it is required viewing for her because she can't. Did you watch Battleship? I haven't watched Battleship yet. Oh, what a shit show that is, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> right. Much like the government of Texas. You Greg Abbott. All right. <laughs> God, I hate Greg Abbott so much right now. I can't imagine why, Jonathan. Oh, my God. You should see the press releases he has been putting out since the shooting here. Like, it is disgusting. What a slimy piece of shit. Wow. You know, you know what, Jonathan? Jonathan, I've said it once, but I'll say it again. Uh, you could you could inform Texas. They don't need to remind me that it was a good idea that I moved out. I'm just I'm just throwing that out there. I, I know. I know. Yeah, it's a joke, man. It's an absolute joke. Yeah. So you, you, you can stop. I, I feel bad for you guys. You keep... I, I, I get it. I get it. <sighs> All right. Well, it is now time for our year in the life segment. That is, of course, our segment where we take a look at what we deep dove a year ago and we talk about it again. So what was last year? Forgot My Dice episode 109. This promo pack is dope, which was totally something you said. Oh, was that Transformers? No. Uh, actually, probably yes. But uh, we were talking about the title Blades. Oh, man. The sequel for that game was just out on the Kickstarter, and I, uh, I'm having a hard time not going in for late pitch. I'll just say that. But yeah, I don't. I, <clears throat> there's not a lot here in the uh, in the tags that says we did uh, Blitzkrieg, Army of the Dead, Casilda Song. So yeah, I was doing King of Yellow stuff, Delta Green, yada yada. One of Man, us watched... Army of the Dead came out a year ago. Yeah, yeah. Time's Prisoners going of, quick, man. Prisoners of Darkness. Sword of the Legion. Yeah, welcome to. Good time. Spellbreak. I remember Spellbreak. I couldn't be Frostfire. I was very mad about that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Not a, not a lot here. Not a lot here. We didn't do uh, We didn't do No Time to Bond because uh, you were busy and you couldn't watch one. It does happen. God, it's, I guess this is time of the year, man. Oh, yeah. School's getting out. Is, is your school yeah. out yet? Because our, ours gets out. No, yeah. I did, the last day of school was last week. That's why I got a chance to play some Marvel United. I... I took a half day uh, from work one day and just sat down with the kids because of the current events that had made everything so stressful. And so we all just sat down and played a board game and, you know, had some family time. It was good. Yeah, my, my kids have uh, two and a half more weeks. Uh, my daughter is done, but my son has one more week. And my wife, who's a middle school teacher, has two more weeks. And I've been done for a week now. <laughs> nice. Yeah. It's... Yeah, it's weird, man. Uh, this week is going to really be interesting because this is going to be the first week with the kids at home while I'm trying to work. That's a lie. Kids were at home all through COVID for parts of it. And there was at least two summers in there with COVID. Yeah, but it's, uh, I don't know, it's different with things being reasonably normal. Like I've had been able to concentrate during the days for the last like nine months. I don't know what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. just gonna have to you know chant my new mantra i love my kids and i will have them all at the end of the day <laughs> all right all right well it's time for us to take another short break and when we return it'll be time to deep dive in a slightly different than normal way because uh brandon's going to be telling us all about his new game with his partner bigfoot roll and smash 
You know, but I can, we'll be I, back I, in just a moment. I just realized, John, that we completely forgot to put that up top. What? <laughs> that, that, that's why Brandon's here. We just got. <laughs> we just. We got, did because we just dove right in. <laughs> uh, we're we're professionals. Yeah, absolute <laughs> professionals at all times. <laughs> Do you have a tabletop, board game, miniature game, or RPG that you're going to release for retail? Or do you have an upcoming tabletop Kickstarter that you're about to launch? We would love to interview you for a future episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast. Send us an email to fmdpodcast2016 at gmail.com to schedule an interview. All right, it is time for our deep dive, and today we've got our special guest, Brendan Riley, who's going to tell us all about his new game, Bigfoot Roll and Smash. And I think it's important to say, Brendan, yep. you can't be somebody of our age without having a certain affinity for Bigfoot, because Sunday, Sunday, Sunday was a huge deal in the 80s. You're absolutely right. Um, now, I will say, I never got to go to a Bigfoot a monster truck rally when I was a kid. Yeah, they're so neat. So actually, as part of this project, we got to go to a couple different Bigfoot um, uh, monster rallies. So I got to see all the trucks jumping on stuff. I got to see Truckosaurus that still comes out and eats cars. Oh, uh, I never yeah, got to so see loud. that one. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's pretty fantastic. That reminds me uh, at the uh, at the Alamo Draft House uh, when they did the first Transformers movie, they had Trekosaurus come out and eat a car for the Transformers movie. <laughs> that is so fantastic! Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Let me make sure I get the commercial bit in there first. So I'm here talking about Bigfoot Rollin' Smash, which is a new game from XYZ Game Labs, designed by my design partner Rob Huber and myself. Uh, it is on pre-order now at BigfootRollSmash.com. Uh, where you can see most of the stuff I'll be talking about today is uh, profiled there in various uh, snazzy formats. Uh, and you can pre-order the game uh, in a variety of uh, amounts. We can talk about that later, about what, what you get with the different levels. But, um, but yeah, I'm really excited to share this game with you guys. I'm, I'm kind of sad I couldn't send you a, uh, a prototype to try out. At some point, hopefully we'll get one to you or, or uh, get to play it with you. The, the prototypes ended up being pretty expensive because if you look at this game, it comes with tons of stuff. Um, and so getting the, um, oh, in, the yeah, game yeah. De- in the game development process, when you make the, the first prototype, uh, those prototypes are bespoke objects and they're really expensive to manufacture. So we don't have a ton of them. So, so to give everybody an idea, um, you've got the arena and the mm-hmm. arena is plastic trays. Yep, uh, it is a. Uh, it comes with four vacuum trays that are identical, and they have these sort of interlocking lips. So when you put them together, you get one big tray that's like uh, eighteen inches across or something. Um, and, and then you've inside, got another tray, which is the grandstands, right? Right, and that holds all of the different um, bits, like the different uh, chits that you use uh, during the game. Uh, and then each player gets a player board that shows one of the four trucks. So this game, it's um, Bigfoot is, of course, the king of monster trucks. It's the original monster truck created by Bob Chandler in 1975. And the company that he created, they have this whole fleet of different monster trucks. We picked out six of the sort of most iconic ones, and four of them are in the base game and two are in the expansion. And so in the base game, you get Bigfoot, the original uh, monster truck. You get Snakebite, which is sort of like uh, Bigfoot's nemesis, it's a snake-themed truck. It's got little fangs on the front. You get 
Bigfoot Racer, which is sort of the current one, but also like the world record holder. If you go online and look, this is my favorite video in doing this research. Uh, Bigfoot Racer set a world record by jumping over a, a jumbo jet. Like, so they still have a <laughs> jumbo jet. <laughs> and you can see this video and it is, it is awesome. You just see this still, this still camera on a tripod filming a jumbo jet. And then Bigfoot goes jumping over it and fireworks go off in the background. It's incredible. Now, now I have to ask, I have to ask, yeah. as, as a fan of Bigfoot in the 80s, uh-huh. I was in San Diego, 1985, July 4th. It was a huge deal. Is Miss Bigfoot in the game? Miss Bigfoot is in the expansion. That's one of the two that we added. We really wanted to get all the ga- all of them in the base game, but... Um, you know, a big part of our consideration is to try to make this game pretty accessible. Uh, XYZ Game Labs, their motto is inventing new gamers. So they're always thinking about how do we get people into games. And, you know, we hobby gamers, we talk about, you know, that Title Blades game you guys played last year. That was like 120 bucks or something, right? Like, yeah, people who play these kinds of games, the idea that a game might cost $100, it's a lot of money, but we kind of expect it. If you don't play a lot of games, you know, you're used to buying Monopoly at Target for $15, right? So the idea that you would spend a lot of money on a game. So if we had everything that we designed in one box, it was just going to be too expensive. So what we did is we just, we figured out the the cheapest that we could afford to make it and sell it. And that's our retail price is 40 bucks. And actually during the pre-order, you get it for 30, which is kind of a steal. And so you get four trucks along with all the stuff you need. And then we have an expansion that's another 20 that gets you two more trucks and all the stuff you need to play with those. So um, and then we have a little content uh, as well that I'll talk about. Yeah. So the and we, we um, haven't talked about the dice yet. <laughs> oh, I'll get there. The, uh, there's no stop in the dice. But wait, before I forget. Yeah. So the the expansion comes with Miss Bigfoot, which is like uh, it was a truck made in the in the mid 80s. It, it was light blue. Uh, it's a little bit smaller, but it has a, like a really powerful engine, so it was really fast. Uh, and then we also included Bigfoot 5, which is the weirdest-looking monster truck I've ever seen. It's a monster truck that they they took That's some That's the one wheels. with like, the stupid wheels, right? Like the ridiculously yeah, they took some large wheels. From, wheels. <laughs> yeah, from an Alaskan land train. And they put, <laughs> <laughs> and they put them on this truck. Uh, and yeah, so the wheels look outrageous. So the Miss Bigfoot is the smallest of the of the six minis, and Bigfoot 5 is the biggest. Do, do um, you have the Aerostar in there? I remember yeah, fa- I, fast I, tracks. Yes, it was like it was an Aerostar with tank treads. Exactly. Yeah, uh, that is the fourth. That is the fourth one in the base game is fast tracks. Oh um, yes. <laughs> uh, and and actually, that gives me a. Uh, so, if people are interested on the website, we've got uh, there's a tab at the top for the trucks, and so you can actually see the model we have for each truck, a little bit about a little of the art that goes with each one, and then there's actually queued up videos so you can see each of the different trucks in action. Talking about fast tracks really gives me a, a chance to talk about part of what's really fun about the game is when we started, the trucks were all the same. Like you would just drive the trucks around and, and, you know, uh, but then when we got into really theming and we thought about like, okay, so what would it mean to play snake bite, right? Snake bite, the character, the snake bites, the nemesis, it's extra mean. So we made snake bite better at like destroying things that aren't supposed to be destroyed. So you get to drive on stuff you're not supposed to drive on. Um, or like, fast tracks it's on tank treads right so it can do a zero point turn all the other trucks they have to move forward while they're turning uh fast tracks you just it just turns in place or it can so some of that stuff uh gives each truck a little bit of its own character so yeah let's talk dice (laughs) 
So, oh my God, uh, I love these You dice. guys can see the dice here. What do, what do they look like to you? Describe them a little bit for the... Well, okay, so not trying to be snarky when I say this, but it should give everybody a an idea. Like if you go back and look at racing games from the PlayStation 1 era, it looks like a like a PS1 tire because it's basically a tire that has a bunch of flat things. What what is it? Like an octagon? Yeah, it's eight-sided. Yeah. And basically like each little flat area is one of the faces of the die and you can roll the tire to roll the die and that is brilliant. Did you, did you guys come up with that? Yeah. Uh, well, so um, my design partner, Rob, and I uh, usually, I mean, they're, I think with all partnerships, you know, sometimes one person will start a design, sometimes the other part, sometimes we do it together. This one was really him uh, as the initial place. And then I came in and, and we, we fed off each other as we expanded it. But we, um, the XYZ Game Labs, who we knew from other projects we'd done, they had an opportunity to pitch to Bigfoot some game ideas. And they said, can you guys come up with something? And Rob said, yeah. And then he came with something the next day. And like 75% of the basic ideas that he brought to the table are in the final game. Uh, And one of them was these dice. We originally made them, they were made out of plaster using the mold from a plumbing part. And then very quickly we went to 3D printed models and the, the dice, I don't remember the exact ratio, but they are designed to be a specific ratio. I think it's, I think that on one of the trucks, the tires are 66 inches. And so these are 66 millimeter dice. Oh, I love that they say Firestone on the side, by the way. That's a really nice touch. That was really fun. We actually, I mean, one of the things, the fun things about working with a brand like this, like we're constantly talking to the Bigfoot people. And so at one point we're like, hey, you know, it would be really cool if these dice said Firestone on the side. Is that okay? And so they're like, we'll get back to you. So they called up Firestone because that's their, they're the official tire supplier for Bigfoot. And Firestone said, yeah, go ahead. So now, yeah, so we get to have Firestone on the side. Um, yeah, so they're eight-sided dice and they've got uh, numbers and sort of um, orange bad symbols and green good symbols. Uh, so basically the, the way the game goes, first you, you know, it's called Bigfoot roll and smash. That's kind of what you do. First you roll the dice and it's sort of standard three-time rolling, you know, King of Tokyo or Yahtzee-style rolling where you can roll once and then you can roll two more times. And what you're getting is planning points and style cards and hazards. And the planning points give you, you can think of it as like energy or how much motion you're going to have in order to run your truck around the arena. Uh, The style cards are these sort of bonuses that every truck has, and some of them give you scoring bonuses, and some of them give you sort of maneuvering bonuses. Um, So some of them will let you do a little extra maneuvering, and some of them will give you extra points for doing one particular thing or another. Now, now before we jump any further, I want to talk about the arena a little bit. So the arena is basically modular, right? Like you you can rearrange it a bunch of different ways, and it looks like it's like build your own arena. You've got a bunch of different pieces uh, that come together to, to form the obstacles. Right. Yeah. Uh, so there are, uh, the game comes with 20 obstacle tiles that have all sorts of stuff drawn on them. And the stuff that's drawn on like them has jet. to do with how you, inc- like I think it's jet. really important that we include that in there. Yep. There's a jumbo <laughs> jet. Uh, we've got uh, my, one of my favorite things is there's a tile that has those little uh, wavy flappy arm guys from the car dealerships. <laughs> You mean uh, a, wacky, <laughs> a wacky waving inflatable tube man. Yeah, a wacky waving inflatable tube man. That's what I said. TM. <laughs> the, different, uh, the different tile types, you interact with them in different ways. So like, you know, the ones where it's a row of cars or a school bus, that's an on tile. So you drive on it. 
Um, some of them are up tiles, so you jump over them. You have to get your truck up in the air. So there's these ramps, and if you go off the ramp, then you get to be in the air. And it's a little bit of fantasy, the way the game works. When you go off a ramp, as long as you're going straight, you can be in the air. So you could like, jump your truck across the whole arena, which is you know super fun. Uh, and then there's um, tiles that award you. They're mud tiles because everybody loves seeing a truck kick up mud. And so if you go through mud, you get points for driving in it. And then there's buy tiles that have like flame pots or those uh, dancing tube men. And you get points for going by on those or by those. And so um, a big part of the game is uh, at the beginning, before everyone takes their turns, you take turns putting tiles into the arena to set them up. And the game is usually played in two rounds. So the first round, there's eight tiles in the arena. And the second round, there's 12. So you get you kind of get a ramping up of the excitement uh, as you get more things you can interact with. Yeah, and then uh, you take turns rolling the dice, and after you roll the dice, then you plan your run. So you use those points to buy. It's a programming game. Like if you've ever played Robo Rally or Robot Turtles, it's that kind of game. So you're you use your points to buy these different tiles that you put out, and then that plans your run through the arena. So there's a little bit of con- thinking ahead, uh, and that's one of the places where we think it's you know it's really good as a as a game for families or kids because it it challenges you to really use your spatial awareness to imagine how are you going to move your truck through the arena. The rulebook kind of discourages you from moving your truck through the arena as you're planning, like you're supposed to do that part in your head. Well, we've had players who do that, and it it still works fine if they just kind of move their hand around as they're planning because what what we really want is the fun of crushing stuff. So so to give people some context, you've you've got that little stadium seating section that holds all those movement tiles and then you purchase those tiles with the planning points and the the, the cost of each tile is is printed on it, correct? Right. Well, so the, there's the obstacles that you're putting in the arena. And then we have these planning tiles that go above your board that that say how you're going to move. Yeah, and those yeah. you purchase and, with your points. And you've got slots on the top of each player board that you you put these different programming tiles into, right? Yep. Uh, as you're planning, yeah, you put them into the slots, and then once you've got that done, then you execute them in order from left to right, and you can add cards as you need to to like get a little extra movement or do an extra turn or that sort of thing. And and are the other players on the board when your your program is running? No, we actually experimented with having uh, having players run their programs at the same time and it, it it was too hard to follow you couldn't really figure out what was going on and, and we had then we had to have to work out like rules for crashes and stuff and you know monster truck rallies are about fun but they're also about safety and so they don't ever run two trucks in a way that they could run into each other that's just not a thing they do so so yeah each person runs their run at the same uh one at a time so you roll and plan your run and while you're planning your run and then starting yours, the next person could be rolling and getting their stuff ready. But we also have in the rule book sort of jobs for everybody to do. Like one person um, takes these markers and you put them on the obstacles that people encounter so that you can um, keep track of what you scored. And another person will have the scoreboard that they're going to record which things you've scored and what you got points for. And then right now, this isn't firm yet, so uh, listeners don't hold me to this, but um, right now we're talking to the company Dized, which does um, digital rule books and teaching apps to have a Bigfoot roll and smash in the Dized app. And one of the things you can do then is have a soundboard. So we're hoping to have a soundboard so that the fourth person can like trigger sounds when you when you go past the flame pots maybe there'll be a fire sound or you know a truck sound when you're jumping in the air or that sort of thing oh that's good stuff almost every person who's play test tested this when their truck goes off a ramp they go like it's you can't not do it (laughs) i'm only laughing because i know i would do the the same thing you would 
So yeah, then you run your truck around and you get your score. Uh, and then the next person takes their turn. And after everyone's done one run, then you, like I said, you add more tiles to the route, to the board, you do it again. And that's the game. It takes about an hour probably for four players. Um, we've also got rules in the rule book for there's, um, beginner rules that reduce the complexity quite a bit. Um, it, I mean, it takes away some of the strategy, too. But, you know, if you're playing with pre-literate kids, um, this is a way that you could teach them. That one's designed and we tested it with, like, say, a 10-year-old could teach a 7-year-old to play that way. Nice. Um, although it's presumed that the 10-year-old knows how to play already. Uh, and then there is also solo rules in there. And we have some challenges in the rule book um, so that you, your goal is to score everything on the board. One of my favorite parts of this process was that uh, at Christmas, um, some of the crew from XYZ Game Labs and my design partner went down to St. Louis, which is where, or outside of St. Louis is where the um, Bigfoot offices are. And they went to the Christmas party. And while they were there, they sat down with the prototype and they sat down with Bob Chandler, the founder of Bigfoot. And they sat down with Dan Runty, who is like one of the more famous um, drivers. Uh, and I think one more. And they had them build a plan in the board. And then we put that in the rule book as a solo challenge. So like you can, you can drive Bob Chandler's design and you can drive Dan Runty's design. Oh, that is awesome for people, for people who are deep in the lore of the, of the truck. Um, it's exciting to have that, that chance. Now, now that that's not all though, you've got more on the website. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's, there's no end to the stuff on the way. I cannot tell you how much time we took on this website. Uh, I, Let's I start really... with the mods expansion because this okay. looks awesome. Okay. Um, so, yeah, like I said, there um, in our original design, like we just kept, we had so much fun stuff to put. And, and to make the game affordable, we took some things out and put them in the mods expansion, um, which, like I said, adds the two, tr- the two additional trucks with the player boards and the cards and the miniature that you need to play those. Um, we also added some rules so that you could play five to six players. We streamlined the game a little bit so that, uh, it would still take about an hour, even if you have six people. You just you do slightly shorter runs, uh, and then we also have, and this maybe my favorite thing. At least the art in here is really cool. We have something called the crew expansion, and what that is is it adds um, these crew cards, which are sort of like special powers, and uh, each player at the beginning of the game, each player gets two of them, and you pick one to keep. And then when we get to the half point, you get two of them and you pick one to keep. So in the in the first run, you have one crew member helping you. In the second run, you have two. And the crew members give you special powers that will let you score extra points for certain kinds of things. They will let you um, uh, maybe have a rule, a special rule breaker that you do. Uh, there's a variety of different things that you can do with the crew cards. And that also gave us an opportunity to put some people in the game because almost nowhere else are there people. Everything else, it's trucks driving around, or you see some hands pushing buttons or feet stomping on pedals, but all the art in the game is the trucks. But we want, we want people to have people in the game, so the crew cards allowed us to both take on what's a, a big part of the XYZ brand is inclusivity. So in the crew cards, you get to see people of all different stripes who participate in the monster truck motorsports, which I can say from going to the rallies is true at the rallies. It's, uh, it's a remarkably... Uh, diverse crowd at the rallies and it's fun to see uh, people from all walks of life and all uh, backgrounds uh, 
joining together in, in enjoying seeing monsters destroy car, or monster trucks destroy cards. But then we also on some of the cards will have there's some Easter eggs. Like I said, uh, Bob Chandler, I mentioned before, is one of the characters on the card. Uh, Dan Runty's on a card. We have um, Marilyn Chandler, who is the driver of Miss Bigfoot and uh, Bob Chandler's wife. She's on the card. Uh, and then we also uh, there's one card we put in homage to the current owner of or the current uh, lead person at Bigfoot is um, Bob Chandler's daughter. And so she's on one of the cards, Linda. Um, and so we are on the cards. There's this variety of different uh, people represented. We also have the two villains, uh, Vinnie Venom and um, Susie Serpent, uh, who are the drivers of Snakebite. <laughs> And then we also have eight more or 12 more um, obstacle cards, obstacle tiles that you can add to the board. Four of them are blank, so you can draw your own, which, you know, we figure if this is a game for families, that's really fun to be able to that. And then eight of them, I don't know if you can see the picture on the mods page, eight of them are pop culture inspired. Uh, and so there's some stuff you should be able to pick out there uh, as part of the. Um, oh, yeah. Don't, I, I see your Viper. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't you for a moment also not think that I didn't see that Batmobile and that DeLorean. Okay, that, that's right. Uh, my favorite, you. my favorite is uh, one of the buy objects. These are the ones you're not supposed to drive on, but you're supposed to drive by. This is a, a, sand, a sandworm from Beetlejuice. Yeah, I was gonna say. I thought that was the Beetlejuice sandworm. <laughs> yeah. So it's fun to get a little bit of um, silliness in there as well. Yeah. So that's all in the mods mods expansion, and that's that's an extra charge. But we have a bundle going right now where you're getting money off the base game. Plus you get money off shipping. If you were to buy both the game and the expansion together, uh, as part of the pre-order campaign. Yeah. But I really think that at this point, it's time that we turn our attention to the real bundle, the <laughs> deluxe bundle, the bundle that not only inc- includes the game and the expansion, but, Oh, yeah. it's glorious. What else? <laughs> this is the signature edition. Is that the one you're looking at? Uh, I'm looking at the, the, is that what it's called? It's just well, uh, in the corner. So there's there's a deluxe bundle, and then there's the signature edition, which is the deluxe bundle plus a little more. So I'm going to talk about the signature edition. I want people to go all out. But, you know, basically by talking about this, you get to hear all the different things. So, like I said, this is a pre-order campaign. For people who are familiar with Kickstarter, it's not entirely unlike that, except that uh, we are going to press with the game. That's the plan. Um, and we're not we're not aiming for a specific target the way you would on Kickstarter. It also means we're not crushed by the pressure of the, you know, like Kickstarter. If you don't back on day one, then people think of it as a failure. And um, you also, for people who haven't, aren't done a lot of familiar, familiarity with Kickstarter, the Kickstarter platform is incredibly reductive in how it works. And so you just have a really limited way of presenting what's going on in your game. So we decided to go with a pre-order program so you can buy the game ahead uh, then when we produce the game, we'll sell it to you. Um, so we have a variety of ways that you can do that. The signature edition is the sort of top tier. Only 500 of those available, so um, get yours now. <laughs> uh, but basically, we, uh, you get the base game, you get the mods expansion, you get our swag pack, which has a bunch of stuff, a bunch of other things that you can get related to Bigfoot. Which it's not just other things. <laughs> l- l- let's talk about there's a T-shirt with the Bigfoot Roll and Smash logo. Indeed. Clear in the middle. Yep. A trucker hat. Yep. With the full mesh background. Yep. Also with the Bigfoot Roll and Smash logo. Keep going. A beer koozie <laughs> because Bigfoot. Bigfoot. Yep. Is that a sticker pack with it? It's pins. Enamel pins. Oh, even better. Enamel yep. pins. And then <laughs> <laughs> the 
the the only the second finger that we've talked about in the show it's generally the middle but in this case it's a giant foam finger because (laughs) bigfoot is number one exactly yeah and you know a big part of the fun of a monster truck rally is all the stuff that you get from the booth you know the t-shirts and the trucker hats and the foam fingers merch absolutely so we wanted to inject some of that fun into the campaign too so yeah so people who are uh died in the wool bigfoot fans and really want to uh support the game or uh just get cool things like a foam finger uh can uh go for this pack and so all of that's available in the deluxe um swag pack what makes the signature edition special is we've partnered up with bigfoot they have a special hot wheels monster truck it's the bigfoot dirty uh truck which it's a bigfoot model truck with like the wheels are covered is that the in original mud. 75 f250 i think it is i think it is oh God, I need that in my life. And we've made a deal with them that uh, this is why it's limited to 500, that uh, we're going to take those uh, Hot Wheels and take them down to Bigfoot headquarters. And there's going to be five different drivers. There's Bob Chandler, Jim Kramer, who's holds uh, or held a bunch of set a bunch of world records when he was driving a lot. Dan Runty, who I believe was the driver when the, when they jumped the jumbo uh, jet. Darren Schnell, who uh, I think is one of the main drivers now. And Rebecca Schnell. Um, one of the more prominent female drivers in the monster truck circuit. And those five together are each going to assign a hundred of the um, trucks. So if you get the signature edition, you'll get one of those signatures on the hot wheels uh, truck, as well as all of the other stuff uh, that we're talking about here. I'm not exactly sure where the signature is going to be. The signature might be on the game box as well. Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure on that, but but yeah, so that's that's sort of the top tier uh, merch that you can get. And then we have a variety of ways that you could get all those things in in different bits. So if you just wanted the base game and the pins, you can do that. If you want the base game and the expansion, but none of the swag, there's a, an option for that. There's lots of lots of different uh, options there. And right now, the current plan and the uh, target and the logistics that we've worked out should have us delivering in November. Uh, I'd just like to say that it's just in time for my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, but we do, we do, of course, uh, have on our shipping page, you know, the world is in a little chaos right now. So uh, we don't have that as a guarantee that it'll come in November. Um, but that's our, our current. A little. Our current, uh, right. <laughs> a positive podcast. That's right. Oh, my God. This game is right up my alley in so many ways. You know, it's really fun, and it's been super, it's been super fun to work on, you know, going from our initial version, which when we started, we couldn't tell anyone it was for Bigfoot. So we had, we called it the Nautilus and we had all this like fake monster truck rally stuff so that we could play test it. But uh, it was super fun to be able to tell the people who'd play tested it when it was, you know, a fake game to be able to say, Oh yeah, this is, this is about Bigfoot and just see them go what uh, and get super excited. And it's been really fun to, to, you know, work with the 3d modelers on the, trucks and sort of talk about what style we want them to be in and to watch the art evolve. If people go to the website and look at the, like the pages for the different trucks have a lot of the pictures from the style decks, which is where a lot of the graphic art is going to come in. Um, you know, they had, um, two really clever graphic artists, uh, Jose Esquivel did the, um, cards and stuff. And then, Jason Bowles did the graphic design for like the um, obstacles and the uh, the different chits and things, uh, as well as the player boards. Fun to work. And Tatiana Quigley, I can't leave her out. She was the um, 3D modeler for the the trucks themselves. And everybody looks like they've just produced on the highest level. And I see that you actually got 
official game trays in there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's been really fun because, um, the folks at XYZ, um, you know, for people who've been following my previous appearances, my partner and I, Rob, uh, our design collective was called Rattlebox Games, and we've sort of merged with XYZ now, so we're officially uh, part of that um, company. And so getting to see the level, like they, uh, it's a small group of people, but they really do a lot of work to put out just top-notch um, stuff. I don't know if y'all, y'all know the um, their previous game, Arch Ravels, was really uh, well-received. That's the knitting one, right? Knitting. Yeah. It's about knitting. Yeah. And they, they already worked with Noah Edelman at games trays on that. And so then, uh, when we work on this, yeah, he did the, the arena tray. And then he also helped design the, the actual arena itself, the Brown, uh, part that the, the, the trucks are driving around on. That's also from designed by game trays. So it's just going to be, it's going to be so much fun. It's, It's all the right kind of, crazy like just absolutely the right kind of uh, crazy yeah so uh if if listening to this people think it sounds fun uh you know go check it out at bigfootrollsmash.com and tell other people to check it out as well um because um we could really use uh some eyeballs there and we're hoping that people will uh, be keen on it. and the price is ridiculous <laughs> yeah you know honestly I, I i know what the cost of these custom trays is and it's not low um especially with the custom dice so your your price point there is really sweet considering what you get in the box and yeah i mean like a good programming game is always a pleasure to play in my opinion i'm super super stoked about this like this is mixing all of my favorite things into one super potion which really makes me excited. Honestly, if you ever need anybody to scream Sunday, 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 you just call me up. (laughs) That's great. So, uh, the other thing, yeah, now that you say that I'm reminded of something, which I, uh, I don't think is on here yet. We've been working on a commercial (laughs) in the style, in this, in the style of like eighties toy commercials. There's a, um, we, we have a musician who wrote a rock and roll song and like, the chorus is Bigfoot roll and smash guitars and stuff. (laughs) It's, it's really good. Uh, as soon as it is, um, we're putting it to video and stuff. And as soon as it is ready to, to be, uh, live, I'll put it on the FMD discord and anybody who's participating there can see it. Um, it is a hoot and, uh, really fits the spirit of the game. So, (laughs) Oh my God. I just realized how big those monster tire dies are like, Man, Your comparison there with a with a standard D six and an oversized D twenty <laughs> really kind of brings it home just how just huge they are. Enormous is the is the word. It's really funny. Um, a long time ago, the you know uh, Jonathan I, Robert, I'm sure remembers our your listeners may not that you and I met uh, digitally when you interviewed me and Rob about our first game, Cromlech. And one of the weird things about Cromlech was we had a number of people who backed it, not because they cared about the game at all, but because we had custom dice. <laughs> and there are people who all they want is dice. Uh, and so they backed the game because it had custom dice. We've had a bunch of people sign up for the pre-order, post stuff on our Facebook. Like, I got to get them dice. <laughs> <laughs> How do I get these monster dice? Uh, it also was a high point um, at PAX Unplugged last year. Uh, Eric Lang, the designer of Blood Rage and um, Rising Sun, 
uh, stopped by and our all booth. around good good guy. I might add. Yeah, like super Eric nice Lang guy. is like legitimately one of the coolest, friendliest dudes in the industry. Yeah, super nice guy. So uh, made my month when my buddy. I didn't get to go to PAX Unplugged. That's right in the middle of final season, so I can't leave my job for that. But my design partner went with uh, XYZ Game Labs to PAX Unplugged. And so he sent me like a 30 second video of Eric Lang just rolling those dice over and over again. He's like, this is so great. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So, oh, yeah. Man. So if you guys are killing if, this with I'm just looking at, at all the material on the website and it's just it's all so theme appropriate. Like it just it's all coming together. It's glorious. Well, thank you. A lot of the website, I got to give credit, goes to Adam McCrimmon, uh, the CEO of XYZ Game Labs, uh, designer of Arch Ravels, but also like one of the lead developers for this game and uh, kind of the artistic visionary for the company. And he was, I think he was probably the driving force behind the company connecting with Bigfoot, particularly that he used to go to Bigfoot monster truck rallies when he was a kid and he has pictures of himself with Dan Runty. And um, so a big part of the kind of, the emotional attachment for our company for this game was Adam is Adam's enthusiasm for monster trucks. And, um, uh, I think it comes through in every little bit of this website, which has been, Oh, I definitely agree. Uh, this, so. this is a project that you can see a lot of love in, like a lot of love of the subject And it's that proper level of, you know, polite nod, if you will, uh, towards the, the original, right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, uh, God, this takes me right back to the mid eighties. This makes me feel like an eight year old kid again. And just the glory that is watching a monster truck just magically bounce over 30 cars for no other reason than <laughs> it can. Yeah, exactly. And and the, the, the glory that is watching mid seventies sedans get crushed under 80 superpower. <laughs> if you look at the Bigfoot monster truck page on our website, we've got a link to the very first time that Bob Chandler drove the truck onto cars at a stadium. And like it is apparently among among monster truck enthusiasts, they call it the flashbulb shot because you can just see thousands of cam like thousands of cameras in the stands, people taking pictures and the flashbulbs going off as he drives this truck up onto cars in a way that seems kind of quaint now because that's you know because every monster truck does nobody that. Nobody had ever seen at the like time. a mid eighties F two fifty do anything like that before. That's right. Uh, people are getting up on each other's shoulders so they can see. It's awesome. Um, yeah. Like the whole concept of Bigfoot is just 80s lunacy at its best. It's so amazing. <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> so this uh, this game seeks to capture that. And I think I think it does a good job. Oh, yeah. I hope people check it out. <laughs> I am excited. I'm actually watching that video right now. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, man. The flash bulbs are fantastic. <laughs> Robert, so. I'm going to need you to quiet down over there, sir. I just keep looking at stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. This takes me back. Like, like, as we're going through the website, you're like, there's videos. And I'm like, there's videos? And I start clicking on them. And, and yeah, I, was, <laughs> I was on a video spiral. No, I get it. Honestly, I find the video of Fast Tracks driving around just mesmerizing. I'm like... Yeah, could- yeah, because yes. you you know with the you know that 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 was originally like a mortar tank, <laughs> and they like they they took the mortar tank and they they modified it and then they put a Ford Aerostar on top. Which like <laughs> yeah. who's who's staring at the, who, who's staring at a set of tank tracks and says you know what that needs that right there needs some Aerostar. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it's great. 
So. All right. Well, so the websites are BigfootRollSmash.com, XYZGames.com. Uh, XYZ Game Labs. Game, okay. XYZ Game Labs.com. And how else can we follow you on social media? What, what are the ways that we keep track um, of, of all your exploits and all of Rob's exploits? Sure. Uh, also, you are looking, allow me so. to take this moment to say, hey, Rob, what's up, buddy? I miss you. <laughs> yeah, uh, he wanted to come tonight, but uh, there were family plans. Um, this is being recorded on Memorial Day, so it's a little uh, tricky. Um, but he, he certainly said to say hello, and uh, I'm ashamed that I didn't say that before now. Uh, okay, XYZ Game Labs is the tag for the company pretty much everywhere that you might look for people doing uh, social any social media uh, for us. We have a Facebook group where if you go there and ask, then you can get into a Facebook group of our play testers. So you can check out new games and get in print and plays and help us refine games if people want to try that. Uh, I myself, probably the best place to find me on social media is Twitter. Digital Sextant is my username there. Uh, honestly, if you just Google Brendan Riley Board Games or Brendan Riley Columbia College, that will uh, get you to my digital footprint. I'm also on TikTok occasionally, which feels I, I feel too old to be on TikTok. But yeah, you totally randomly showed stuff, up on my so. feed the other day, and I was like, "Whoa, I had no idea." <laughs> yeah, uh, because I teach media studies stuff, I feel like I need to know what TikTok is and what's going on there, and it has paid off. Like I, I get, I understand things the students say, and I will occasionally make a reference that they will get. And then be surprised because their middle-aged professor made a reference to a current trend on TikTok. So <laughs> uh, it, it has been good, but it is it is a weird place. Yeah, and then uh, Rob is mostly on Facebook as Rob Huber. That's probably the best place to find him. I don't think he uses Twitter much. So yeah, uh, or you can reach either of us through our XYZ Game Labs email addresses. I'm Brendan at XYZGameLabs.com, and he's Rob at XYZGameLabs.com. Yeah, or uh, if you want to head over to Board Game Geek. I am uh, the one monitoring the Bigfoot Roll and Smash pages over on Board Game Geek, so you could post something there to say hello. And then um, I'll mention once more: I also have a podcast that competes with yours. The competition, um, not really, uh, is called Pick Up and Deliver, and you can find that uh, by searching for Pick Up and Deliver podcast, and that'll get you to that. Probably at Apple Podcasts, but you know wherever you want to look for that, you'll find it. Uh, anything else you want to talk about? Uh, well, I could talk all day, but I think I've probably hit all the things I need to, uh, except to say, you know, even if you aren't sure you want to buy the game, go, go look at the website. There's so much cool stuff there. At the very least, go look at the dice and then compare them to <laughs> yeah. a standard D6 and realize how great this is. Like, this is just going to be so much fun. I'm so stoked. <laughs> well, there you go. Bigfoot Roland Smash. Thank you very much, Brendan. And Rob, we miss you, buddy. Well, thanks very much for having us on. And, uh, I look forward to talking to you again in a year when you've done a deep dive on it. Oh, yes. Anytime. I am so stoked about this. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of our deep dive, which means that is, of course, unfortunately, the end of our episode. Aww. Robert, are you still falling down the Bigfoot water or the Bigfoot uh, rabbit hole? Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. Have you seen like literally I distinctly remember the 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 advertisement for Miss Bigfoot in the mid 80s at Jack Murphy Stadium. <laughs> like it was a big deal in San Diego. I'm, I'm watching this video, Jonathan, and it's just this like static shot that looks like it's on the back wing of an airplane. And you can kind of see out and there's a crowd. and It looks like it's maybe at an air show or something because there's a jet in the background. 
behind the the grandstands and it's just sitting there and then all of a sudden like the the bigfoot (laughs) racer comes from like the top like it's just sort of (laughs) slightly arcing over the top of of the (laughs) it's so funny (laughs) and then there's just this cloud of dust that follows it and uh and that's it and then you see the front shot and you just see the row of explosions that goes on behind it you're like yeah no that's that's kind of what that moment needed right there oh yeah man you get me a copy of this game and a copy of jock jams and i think i'm going to be set for a month I also really enjoyed watching, like, I find the videos of um, Snakebite pretty mesmerizing, too, because it's, it's got this sort of smooth look to it, uh, and it, yeah, it slithers around. God, I love the sound of that motor, too. <laughs> <laughs> it just makes me so happy. It's so silly. <laughs> like, in, in what universe did somebody look at an F-250 and say, you know what that means? <laughs> Oh my god, it's so good. Hey Jonathan, place out. Well, that brings us to the end of episode 129 of the Forgot My Dice podcast. Once again, join us on all of our digital domains. We would love to hear from you. Which brings us, of course, to Robert. Any final thoughts beyond Sunday, Sunday, Sunday? Yeah, Brindlewood Bay is at 14 seconds till the end of the Kickstarter. Yeah, you heard it here first. I have backed it. Yeah, I saw it. It came up that you backed it. Six, uh, five, four, three, two. Brendan, I'm holding you one. to this, man. We need to make a Golden Girls versus Vampires mod. Let's do this together. That's a deal. I'm four hundred and seventy-seven thousand three hundred and thirty-seven dollars. Bob is your uncle. There it is. Uh, who knew? I certainly never imagined as a kid that I would be sitting here totally enamored by a Bigfoot board game and like weird, quirky RPGs. Not at all where I expected my life to go. (laughs) Roger that. (laughs) You know what? I wouldn't have it any other way. Well, Robert, as this is the end of the episode and Brendan as well. Don't I usually put people on the spot or guess on the spot and tell them to have the final thought? Yeah, I'm down down with it. Brendan, any final thoughts? (laughs) Hmm. I'll tell you what I told Ray and then I cut it out. Just start talking and eventually you'll sort of like find your way into it. It's like that meme I posted earlier today. Oh, right. Um, Like I said, I've been watching movies about board games or games about movies. And one of the things that sort of is consistent is the idea that games teach us about life. And so I think as you're as you're pondering your your time spent in this hobby, don't lament that this is time wasted or time used for pure uh, pleasure, but rather think about it as researching the way that the world works and getting better for when you have to make the divine move. That's a whole lot deeper than the majority of our nonsense. I appreciate that. (laughs) I have a couple of board game movies for you, by the way. Oh, I'm thinking, I'm thinking in my head, you got three Jumanji movies, right? Yep. Um, Battleship, which we talked about earlier. Yep. I think you could make a case for the Ouija games or the, the Ouija, Ouija, uh, movies the oh, horror I movies i know that i've seen those ones oh okay. yeah they are blessedly terrible yeah yeah uh, that's how uh mike fanagan got in someone's radar because he did reshoots for one of them yeah and that's why he got his own stuff um okay and then along the lines of jumanji was uh that movie with uh Zathura. dax shepherd zathura yeah that yep. one comes to I've mind yeah and then if you really want to go uh for a deep cut um 1979 paul newman quintet oh i don't know that one 
It's a weird one. I'm warning you now. Post-apocalyptic Paul Newman movie. Well, directed those by were, Robert are words I like. I mean, a 1970s post-apocalyptic movie starring a celebrity not known for post-apocalyptic movies. Is there any chance it's going to live up to Zardoz? There's every chance. <laughs> every chance. Paul, Paul a lot Newman of cocaine in, in the 70s, man. A lot of cocaine. <laughs> just, I'm just saying. Uh, also, Love Game it. of Death, right? Uh, wasn't that like a few years ago? Six years ago? Something I don't like know that. that one, Game of Death. Oh, are you thinking of um, Ready, Set? No, I think there's Ready, one set, called go? Game of Death, too. Oh, I haven't seen that. But there's... Did you see that one um, with uh, Samara Weaving? I think it's called Ready, Set, Go? Maybe? No. Uh, yeah, she plays a... I mean, this is all in the trailer. She plays... She gets married into a family... That, that runs a board game emperor. I think like they own Parker Brothers or whatever. And as part of the tradition of the family, you have to play a game on your wedding night. And there's like 20 different games that could come up. And one of the games is hide and seek. Oh, this the, 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 it's like a, a got Margot Robbie in it, right? Is that it? Uh, no, it's Samara Weaving is the main is the main uh, gal, but she looks like Margot Robbie. I mean, it, I'm pretty sure it's Samara Weaving though. Okay, well, I no, I have not watched. But that. yeah, I have that on my list. Of you should watch that. I, it's I great. hear it's really good. Yeah, it's great. Is that Hugo Weaving's kid? I think so. Oh, weird! It's so weird when like actors' kids start appearing in things. I don't know why. Just yeah, like you, you see them, the last really name. Yeah, that's that's what it is. Man, Agent Smith had a kid. <laughs> Mr. Anderson. <laughs> All right. Well, that brings us to the end of the episode, which, of course, means there's only one last thing to do, and that is to be excellent to one another and party on, Robert and Brendan. Party on, Jonathan. Party on. The music you heard in this podcast was intro by Elifiel. Additional music was provided by Brian Winkleman. Funding for the Forgot My Dice podcast was provided by our supporters on Patreon. Thank you.